0: again my friend. Malice and in the chalice. do one for the folks.
1: Yeah,
0: man. We got a law office down here called Morgan & Morgan. They say it's for the people and that's what we do it for. For the people. <laughs> it's, <you> know, <laughs> yeah, for, for the people. people. <laughs> Almost <laughs> said tipsy gypsy oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the tipsy gypsy that'd be yeah, awesome yeah. We, uh, we gotta tipsy make another gypsy. card well, Not we, we, we haven't right, right, told yeah. about the cards yet yeah, we can keep that a little oh, secret yeah. for the now cards, but, uh, maybe we can make a tipsy gypsy card for any of
1: y'all Yu-Gi-Oh fans out there we got some trap cards
0: we got, uh, yeah. got some fun coming your way so we always look for let's new fun get a little odd. dilly dilly another way. one yeah. we just hit right this one he's ready to rock and roll you see that he has misery with you yeah let's do it but yeah we look for new fun innovative ways to enjoy your (laughs) time here on set so no i'm I'm excited you know i know that uh last week you guys had us and uh we uh we showed you guys our awesome new shirts Uh, we talked a little bit about uh uh, what was going on in the first like first two episodes of season five also you know what the whole what in season five entails is the majority of the finish up of feast for crows in the small um section of a dance with dragons so we're just kind of continuing that arc and uh you know, taking it from there. But again, before we we kind of jump into that, let's let's talk about uh, a little bit of viewership and how far we've come since uh, January, man. Yeah,
1: man. Uh, we, we just we
0: just checked the stats before we started this today. Yeah, where
1: were we at? Like, um, yeah, we
0: did we did really well. Of listeners, we and- did, yeah, we got a lot of downloads. <laughs> and uh, you know, what the biggest thing for me, and the biggest takeaway I had is the different countries that we keep somehow sneaking ourselves yeah, was into. Really cool. You know, yeah, was you really said cool. yeah, you know, I, I saw we had Russia, Guam, Kuwait. Really? Obviously, Canada is pretty standard. United Kingdom, we got you know we're starting to get a nice foothold in the United Kingdom, which is awesome. Yeah, United Kingdom, uh, that's we've pretty gotten cool. a
1: pretty strong. Yeah, India
0: hold. as well. Uh, India,
1: think, yeah, that's
0: yeah, yeah. So, shout out, you guys, thank you so much. We we love yeah. bringing this to you, and, and we're we're glad that you're you're enjoying the content. But uh, yeah, we, we did a for the first last episode, man. We did a lot of like fun debates too, talking about yeah. you know we thought the most intelligent character was what we thought John would have done in certain aspects and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that was, that was a good one. Okay, that's yeah, yeah. an extra and, and, and fun and special for you guys today too. So. Oh, definitely. And once
1: again, that's like what this show's about. That's yeah. really what sets us apart from just any show you can watch about just Game of Thrones or you can watch about just Star Wars or something somewhere. That kind of breaks it down. I mean, we really put you into the perspective of those characters, yeah, put you no, I that you in that environment. The, uh, so. Uh, That sounds great. We got
0: a lot of good feedback from people, too. So, you know, some people in the podcast will have reached out to us, not only asked opinions on stuff, but really gave great feedback about um, you know some of the things that we're doing. So we're starting yeah. to uh no, we're, we're expanding some things. We're gonna you guys are gonna see some new stuff coming in pretty soon. Yeah, but pretty uh, cool. I'm excited about our it. trap cards. You got involved the trap <laughs> yeah. cards, yeah. the attack cards. We're gonna have a couple <laughs> things going on. You're gonna see some new uh we're gonna have some new equipment coming in. So we're gonna, yeah, gonna take what we're doing to the next level guys. And I it's all thanks you to you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, absolutely. There, man. But let's uh let's <laughs> give give the people what they're looking for, man. I know we left off with uh you know, Danny and Drogon having that strange interaction right, where you yeah. were saying, like, you know, perfectly agree with you, too, is that, you know, he, he came back, he's had some level of affection, but he's also still kind of dis- distancing himself from her right, as well. Exactly, you know, he shows yeah. up for a good hot second, then flies yeah. off again, and we're like, what's going on, Drogon? And, then, you know, all the while, you know, Rey, um, Rhaegal and um, Viserion are still chained up in the in the dungeon down there, so, you know, one thing I want to bring up about that, before we even start this, like... Where did they get the chains for the dragons? When were those made? Can we talk about that for, like, a second? That's a, that's a good question. Like, like, like all of they just dragons. happen to be in marine. Man, yeah, I didn't the, even the, think of no, that. No, you go down to, like, the, the dungeon marine that just happens to be perfectly fitting chains for dragons.
1: Like, <laughs> what in the world? Like, when were those made? That's a really good, good <laughs> question, because no oh, one really like, thinks about that until now, because all the dragons, remember, <laughs> all their, like, skeletal remains were in the Red Keep for, like, the longest <laughs> time under King's Landing. So, like, you would think they would have to sneak into King's Landing underneath the tunnels to, like, even grab Janes. Like, she I just d- pulls them out of their
0: ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they disappeared out of numbers, so...
1: Like, we got some questions for you, D&D, so <laughs> we want yeah, to know where those D&D came D&D from, yeah. but... Uh, <laughs> By the <laughs> way, I tried to play that, like, with my cousins that came in town, just to see if I could... say Dungeons & Dragons? Yeah, Dungeons oh, & Dragons. It, how do you like that? I've never played it. So... It's very complicated. I is had it? no idea how complicated it was, because I guess the idea is, like, the whole game. From what mind. I heard, is like, like, you make- don't,
0: like, ever win, you just continuously play, which is very strange.
1: So what I found out, it's all up to the, like, the dungeon master that creates it, if they allow it, right? Hmm. Well, so I guess my cousin, because it's me, like, he allowed all this stuff, so I actually won. But it all started off, like, we were, like these people on the slave ship that were supposed to escape and do stuff. And I came up with this wild theory, like, I called some dragon to blow the ship in half, I and mean, everyone dies, and I found my own island, and he allowed it. But he was like, yeah, man, if you played a real game, you probably would have never been off the ship. That's crazy. Like, so, <laughs> so it's, like, got, like, all yeah.
0: subjective as to what the, the Dungeon Master allowed. That's, that's very... Yeah. Uh,
1: like, it's like playing an old Xbox game where you have choices... And like, if you make a choice, like yeah, there's a certain, certain size that doesn't balance. work.
0: Oh, okay, yeah, you know yeah. what
1: I mean. Like so. I don't know. It's probably not for me and you, man. Uh, To all those out
0: there, though, I mean, uh, shout-out to you, because that got big. I mean, it's one of the biggest things that we hear about in land. you know? Like, the Fantasy World Dungeons & Dragons has got to be probably the biggest game out there. Maybe
1: we'll try that one day. We'll see, like, how far we get.
0: (laughs) We'll have have a lot of Malice and Chalice to try Uh, that. We'll try Dungeons & Dragons
1: one
0: day. Let's give one more (laughs) cheers, and then let's jump into uh, episode three, brother. Malice and Chalice, baby. Alrighty, so what I really, what I've started to take away first from the episode three. Um, Aria really frustrated with her lack of advancement. I, I call it the Faces Academy. It's my own words. It's not, yeah. that's not what it's really called. She's in the House of Black and White trying to learn Man, from that, Jack Nagar, right? The yeah. Faces Academy. Faceless Academy. <laughs> Academy. That
1: sounds like a badass Hulk. <laughs> it is. I think like what sweet. Hogwarts wanted to be but they got rejected.
0: Well, like Hogwarts is for kids and kids don't become assassins.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I guess, and now Aria, but
0: either but, way, uh, awesome. you know, she's just kind of frustrated. She, she, she keeps trying to figure out what's on the other rooms and they're not letting her know anything. She's cleaning bodies and she wants to... Know, like, what's going on, you know? So she's just a little bit frustrated with, you know, her place right now. And outside of that, not much more in that opening scene, other than the fact that, like, she keeps getting shut out of there. But the biggest, you know, one of the big moments in episode three is when, back in King's Landing, Tom and Mary's Marjorie. It's not Marjorie's queen again. The second time with the younger uh, Lannister, he's like he's not really a Lannister, he's a "quote unquote" Baratheon. Okay, but uh, so you know they're they're married, and you know Cersei really never liked Marjorie very much at all. Yeah, Uh, but uh, so Marjorie started... and like they have this kind of like silent war going on between them. Like you know they keep the peace, but they're very diplomatic. But their words, they 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 take shots at each other all the time. And so what Marjorie does is she starts to plant the seed. To uh, to Tommen that, oh, you know, your mom must be so lonely here. She's got no one here. Like, uh, you know, her husband, you should send her back to Casterly Rock. Like, trying to get Cersei out of the capital so she can have, like, full reign and full
1: rule So, like, genius move to start kind of putting yeah. the wheels in motion. What do you think about that? Yeah, she definitely takes shots at him. I mean, of course, she gets married to Tommen. Um, and remember, she was telling him, telling Cersei... Man, I'm so tired from basically having all the sex last night. And <laughs> She was like, "You can tell, like, as a mother, if you ever hear that, you're just like immediately turned off." Could you imagine? What you're was like, the worst like, "Oh, he, he really is lying. half
2: stag, half lion. Half stag, go, oh, half
1: lion, Yeah." But which I gotta clear up in the book, Tommen is like nine years old, so that never happens. Because could you imagine, like, telling an actress, hey, I need you to go smash this nine-year-old.
0: I mean, <laughs> it's
1: all, <laughs> yeah. it's all in the, under the sheets anyway, so just for an average standpoint. That sparks but another but... debate, right? Because if it was a girl, they'd be like, oh, that's so messed up. A guy, they're like, oh, good work. <laughs> good work. That's awful. Okay. I mean, I, I do think that
0: this show broke a lot of boundaries and weird stuff, too, because, yeah. like, and then some of these, like, hot topics, you know, because you start to see, like, like on screen, you know, you know, people taking people's heads off, like clean off. You can see it, you know, like the stabbings, like like uh, you know, the full peeling of someone's skin, like the the homosexuality, like you can see these things happening yeah. on screen. Like so, this show really broke the mold of what what's acceptable not acceptable for, you know, wide masses of audiences, you know, on the, on, the, on the TV screen. So, I mean, of course it's on HBO, so obviously there's always, like, viewer discretion advised, like, warning and stuff, but I don't think we've ever really seen anything quite like it. I mean, I guess Spartacus was kind of, like, a little bit similar, but I still think Game of Thrones kind of kicked it up to, like, a wild notch. Yeah,
1: right? no, Game of Thrones... Um, it was Spartacus, but actually had meaning. Spartacus was, like, you know, it had its action and it was trying to keep true to, I guess, the historical legend of Spartacus had that whole slave rebellion going on. But Game of Thrones, like, that's what we always talk about, even going back to episode one. It had the politics that no one else had. I mean, as far as this whole, what we're getting into here with the sparrows, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole idea of... She needed to confess for her sins that were the crimes against the church at the time. Which yeah, really broke that mold. Like, you wouldn't. If you go back to the 80s, man, they would have never even considered putting this on
0: television. <laughs> yeah, there's a separation of church and state in the real world. Like, There was not in this season. No. There was not no a separation way. of church and state in this season. they were still at all. running Andy Griffith, and I love me some Andy but Griffith. But, dude, it, it's wild, too. And, um, you know, th- while this is all going on over here in King's Landing. Sansa figure like he finds out from Littlefinger that like he plans to marry her to Ramsey Bolton, which guys, like at this point in time, you gotta realize that Sansa knows Ruth Bolton is the one that betrayed Rob and stabbed him in the heart. And so like Sansa starts to freak out a little bit, so Littlefinger like screaming, I'm not gonna marry him, I won't go. Like if he betrayed my whole family, he killed my brother, like, and, like he was responsible for the death of my mother, like I'm not doing this. And Littlefinger's like trying to persuade her into you know with his, like little like his little things like hey listen you know you you can avenge them though like wait till the right moment make him yours or you know just he right. ha- he was really trying to sell this idea to her that you know but the thing is is it only served Littlefinger like this entire time it only served him but the fact is he made it sound he's so manipulative he made it sound good enough to Sansa to where she just. Agreed to
1: it. Right. Which is yeah. which is pretty crazy. Which you know? here's a question. This goes back into our last episode, like all the debate with Sansa, right? As far as Littlefinger, if he did actually have feelings for Sansa one do you think he ever actually did, because his sick mind, because it's benefiting him, wouldn't you think you would be upset with the whole idea she has to do her duty to Ramsey and that's what you're pushing through this whole idea. I that's why that's why I told
0: you in the last episode I don't believe that she he has any romantic feelings towards Sansa outside of like maybe like a, a fleeting physical attraction, that's why you know he'll kiss her every once in a while. But like I really don't think he wanted anything outside of her name and any sort of benefit it would bring to him. So, you know, he knows that she's gotta he can do her marital duties yeah. to Ramsey and he knows all these things, but he's also putting like He's playing a um, like like a coup, like a like behind the back thing, like uh, against Roose. When he talks to Cersei in King's Landing later on, he tells Cersei about how right, the yeah. Boltons have Sansa Stark, and she's like, "Oh, those traitors! We gave him the North." Then, like you know, so he's he's playing everybody. He's like he's like the puppet master, playing everyone. He's wildly wildly intelligent, right. and, you know. The other thing, too, like while this is going on, I think it's really important to mention Brienne, because, guys, remember, Brienne's trying to find Sansa, and, like, like well, she's found her at this point, but she's trying to, you know, follow him along until Sansa realizes she needs her, because everyone realizes that she's in danger with Littlefinger outside of Sansa, right? right. So, yeah. uh, she, she actually tells Podrick, her Squire, in the TV series, how she came into Renly's service, you know, because we, we kind of got left off when she was talking to Jamie back when they were, like, she, she, Jamie was his her captive, she was, like, you almost got the feeling that she was in love with Renly, but you realize now that wasn't the case. So, he like, she was the son of, uh, you know, the Lord of Tarth, which is a sapphire isle, and so he brought a bunch of, you know, people that are potential suitors, and they all danced and, like, made her feel really special, but then she realized that they were all laughing at her, and they never took her seriously, and she said she realized she was the ugliest girl in the world but that Renly, you know, took her and danced with her and, like, everyone had to, like, basically hold their tongues because that was the brother of the king and, like, he did her that kindness and so, or since then, she made, like, he made her somebody and, you know, really legitimized her and so that's why she loves him but not in a romantic way in a way that's like, you know, you did something for me I can never repay, so, you know, my, my like, life and sword are yours forever and that's how she came in Renly's service. It wasn't because she loved him in a romantic way and wanted to be with him is because, like, he did something for her she could never repay.
1: Right. Yeah, I gotta... I would agree with that, probably. Um, my only other thoughts as far as Littlefinger is... Do you think... You can even ask yourself the question, though, which I know your answer is that he didn't have feelings for Sansa. Could the question also be that he loved himself so much and thought so highly of himself he was willing to go that extra mile that the thing he cared most about he was willing to give away Mm. like and make
0: that sacrifice the thing is is like you're assuming that that's what his ultimate goal is because you remember like like he told remember when uh sansa asked him like well what do you want and he said everything you know right that was like so to me it's, it's more along the lines of he he wanted, realistically what he wanted to do is he wanted to be the king of the seven kingdoms without ever actually saying it. He was I, playing I, his I. pieces to get himself, you know, every, like I said like, you talk about someone who's jumped up in stations in life. Dude, this guy came from like the the fields and now he's lord of the vale which is one of the, like, the four strongest houses like in the entire like Country of Westeros, so now he's the Lord of the Vale, has control of the, the Vale's army, and like, that's an impregnable like fortress. Like no one can attack the Vale because they have to go through the the, the Bloody Mountain. Mm-hmm. So like he's already in a really big place of prominence. Now if he takes the North to as Warden of the North, realistically he's got enough. Where you know he, he's got the Vale at his back, he's got all of the North if he takes it, and he can he, he can take over kings. Like, like I'm not saying that's what would have happened, but to me. It, I just I think you put way much of an overemphasis on you know the him and Sansa aspect more than Littlefinger like trying to become the ruler of everything. Because remember what Barris said like little dangerous. He would he would um, burn it all. The, he would burn it all to the ground if he could rule over the ashes. Like yeah. that's one of the biggest things, like you know. So that's a that's a thing. He's power hungry. I don't think you know Sansa just happens to be a subplot of a beautiful woman of a girl that he loves. So there's a physical, maybe like a minor physical attraction there, but I don't think it's anything outside of that. My own Makes my sense. own thoughts, but
1: I agree with it. I can get on board with it. Yeah. So okay, then from there,
0: <clears throat> our boy Johnny S refusing stands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> big, right. Big Johnny S. Yeah.
1: Big Johnny Good, S. Uh, you want to go into that?
0: I mean, I, really, there's not much that happened there that was that big. I mean, like, the, the refusal was big itself, but, you know, I, I, that the biggest thing I took away is, you know, now that he is Lord Commander, he doesn't need, like, uh, that's the biggest question would have been, like, hey, if, if he didn't get selected Lord Commander, what would he have answered be? But now, since, you know, obviously he was Lord Commander, of course he's going to refuse Stannis, you know? Right. He's got duty to do there. And, you know, by law, the Night's Watch is outside the, um, the governing... Um, rules of the kingdom. So Stannis can't like invoke any sort of punishment on him because like they're not beholden to him as a king. They're their own entity, the Night's Watch. That's why they don't answer to any king. Remember when Mormont was sending like letters to all the quote-unquote kings back in Season 2 for you know aid for men and supplies. So uh, there was not much there that was noteworthy outside mm-hmm. of the refusal itself. My biggest question is, hey, you know what? If Alistair Thorne... When the Lord commanded, what would the answer have been then?
1: Uh, Right. Which, I mean, it it does go to show as far as, you know, Stannis really thought of a lot of Ned, uh, John's dad. Because, you know, even back to when, you know, our last episode, when they wound up, you know, getting there and basically taking over the wildlings. Yeah. Like, John announced, like, I'm Ned's son. Uh, And he said, you know, he even had that advice of, I would listen to what... Mans Raider had to say. Um well I mean, you know, Sir Davos even says here, he says, he sees something in you, he believes in you. So I think as far as Stannis goes, I think he really did see John as possibly becoming, you know, Lord of the North and really could have aided his army in some type of way.
0: Yeah, all, all contingent if Jon was able. to... Like, the whole thing is why Stannis wanted Jon Snow is he thought Jon Snow could have led the wildlings. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, like, like that—that's a big debate—is would they have ever followed if, if Stannis was a part of the, the deal when you know Stannis is one that decimated their army to begin right. with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you know, and another good part too, like you kind of think that that maybe think of a quote. I don't. It's not an exact quote, guys, but it, it's paraphrasing of, you know you're just as honorable as your father he's like I could think of no higher praise like it wasn't menace praise honor got your father killed <laughs> like that's what Stannis said to him when he right. did that so but the thing is, is like this whole this whole build up just as you know how we've been talking about Daenerys's build up to becoming the Mad Queen John's build up of being this like like this perfect blend of Ned Stark and someone who will also make the right smart move as opposed to just what's right for like the honor code is like he's a great blend of both. And so you start thinking, now oh, this is an ideal person to lead. Like honestly, you start having these weird things like, you know, Oh, you're still following along with the narrative. Everything's going well there. But then all of a sudden, like, you know, like what, well, you know what, Jon Snow, he's starting to make a real big, some big noise over here right. in the North. Yeah. You know, he's someone that can lead, you know, he, he helped like hold the castle black with a hundred men against a hundred thousand wildlings. Right. You know, like he, <laughs> he, went, he, he, Infiltrated the Wildling army for a while, pretend to be one of them. You know, on top of that, they you know now elected them Lord Commander. Like so, John slowly has become someone of high importance that we've got to keep an eye on for because there's a lot of people, especially up there, the Wildlings and and the Night's Watch and people who are closer that would would fight for John, would would die for John, and and that's uh, that's something that kind of comes into play that in season eight when things come to a head but this is the important build-up i think this is a big stepping stone to the build-up of how what john does to become who he becomes right so then we kind of progress
1: a little bit here and we start playing a game oh yeah important game here the game of faces game of many faces (laughs) oh (laughs) yeah yeah So kind of describe what's going on. What kind of game is this? So the the Game of Faces <laughs> is
0: really interesting because like when this first starts happening you're not quite sure what like what the game of faces is. So there is a there's a moment where she's like, I'm ready to play the game. And so basically she's trying to answer these questions, but she doesn't know what like she thinks she's trying to answer the questions she thinks they want to hear. But the point of the, the whole game is to basically lie so convincingly that people think that you're telling the absolute truth. And so she doesn't get that. So anytime that she says anything because she thinks it's what they want to hear, they whack the mess out of her with this switch. Her, yeah, yeah they, they hit that switch <laughs> stick and smack the mess out of her. So it's a really interesting game, which is kind of cool. because, like, Now all of a sudden you start to see, because remember, in the books... They were talking about like, if if they hired one of the Faceless Men, Daenerys would have been dead way back in Game of Thrones. Yeah. They mentioned the Faceless Men in the season and in the books in, in Book One of Game of Thrones. They mentioned the Faceless Men, but they mentioned because like they they come at such a high price, like they're super expensive. Right. So, like so they didn't go that route because you know they, they thought they had other options. But that's how this this guild this guild of Faceless Men. This is basically the most badass assassins. They can literally become anybody, anytime, anywhere. And the first step is mastering the game of faces of, you know, lying so convincingly that no one can
1: tell if you're telling the truth or not. Right. And then at this point, you know, Arya keeps getting slapped by the war, uh, which is what she's called in the books. Uh, They keep asking her if she's ready, and she keeps slapping her and saying, I'm not ready. You are not ready. And, yeah, it's almost like she, Jack and Nagar is almost trying to teach her through this other girl, like, you need to grow patience. You need to be more convincing. You need to become the person you don't want to become. And so she goes out to this lake area, and there's a part where she actually, it's almost like she sheds her own identity. Yeah. Um, thro- almost. Yeah, almost, yeah. She keeps
0: like, one thing.
1: Throws everything... Um, everything she has into the lake except for needle, of course. Yeah. That's the one that's,
0: and that's the thing that like, I think kept her grounded into fully becoming no one and why she was able to, you know, kind of, you know, we'll, well, they don't want to get too much into it. Cause we'll talk more about it in the next season, season six, but um, you're exactly rightly. She threw away your clothes, the silver that she took from the hound, when she left the hound to die, she threw the, the bravosi coin and like, she shed everything through it into the, the, Lake there never to be found again, but she was like holding a needle and she couldn't do it, and right. that was her ground. Like like you know that was it's, that was what's gonna keep her herself through this whole process. Right.
1: And uh, one thing that really showed what she meant by this, by basically becoming a whole new person, was she threw the coin in the water, and that was kind of a big deal. Um, you know, and you remember because you know she got that back in Bravos. And as far as, like, the only thing that really meant so much to her was she did keep Needle. Uh, because, and it's almost like she was almost, like, doing it in remembrance of John or in remembrance of the Starks. Yeah. Like, it was her family, for sure. Family. Um, which, so, this was actually a little bit different in the books. It was the exact same scene, but actually in the books, she was completely naked. And Macy Williams, I think that's her name. Isn't it Macy? Yeah, Macy Williams. Yeah. Macy Williams. She was 17 at the time when they actually filmed this, so they refused to do it. Right. You know. It's fantastic. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, which is good. And I think they still portrayed it really well. Mm-hmm. Like, they took pretty much every, yeah, everything she had except for Needle, which was really significant. Um, so, I mean, I thought that was, like, that was a pretty hard-hit moment for the fans. Like, you realize, like, wow, she is literally about to become another person at this point. Um, I did some research too on the miniface god. <laughs> so, since we're playing a game here, um, so the basically, so for all our listeners and viewers, so the assassination, I guess I want to say, like clan of ass, uh, assassins, I guess I would say, that worship the miniface god, um, they've been going back all the way through history, all the way back before the Targaryens, actually, but, uh, so they worship what is actually called the God of Death, which is, uh, their actual religion is a combined combination in many religions that's not only throughout Westeros, but also throughout Essos, um, and it's also, you can see paintings of the religion, which is ironic, in the free city of Braavos, and, um, also you can actually see it some throughout the Seven Kingdoms, but, um, What is really funny is they actually see death as a gift. So they're actually almost like looking to die at this point. So like when you think of almost Arya's list, it's almost like Jack and Nagar's the same. He'll do anything he can to cross off whoever deserves to be next. Like they'll do whatever they can to go to the next extra mile. And actually they see death as almost as like being honored at that point. So if there's someone they can't, you know, take down, they're going to almost like OCD. They're going to stay on that person until they completely take them off. Which um, is
0: weird because they don't feel like it's a spiritual experience because they do it for money. They do it for a high level. Because right. yeah. remember they later on, exactly. like, uh, I don't want to jump too far, but when they, they try to send Arya to um, you know, accomplish a task with a certain actress, you know what I mean, right? And she was yeah. a nice person, like, like, So it's it's because they get paid. So it's not right. like like. So it, it it's like some sort. Of, I don't think it's a full own um, spiritual experience. It's like it's 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 to monetize. Yeah, it's very interesting.
1: Which makes you wonder, like, as it as this religion kept getting passed down, did it get more monetized than what it was originally intended for? But they actually have four rules when they pick their targets. Okay. Um, so the four rules are one. They can't choose their own target for personal gain, which is ironic, because every single one Arya chose was for almost like personal gain, Mm -hmm. which is, if you think about it, that's what Jack and Nagar was trying to teach her. Right. It's not about that. Uh, The second one was you had no prayers or worships in your religion. It's all actions, and actions are spoken louder than words. That's the common phrase <laughs> right. but like you will show through your actions um they said no self-abnegation uh, is practiced fully which of course no self-gain like we just said but that was more based on targets and then the last one is uh, the only clergy is themselves except for servants in the temple so they don't worship any god except for the god of death um, they don't put anyone above themselves. So they're, it's almost like they worship, they are their own god, which is ironic if you think about in the book when she knocked on the door and death welcomed her in. Almost like, if you think about this, this is actually pretty creepy, which we think about later on in He's the scene. Taking off the faces, Arya could literally be surrounded by just a bunch of demons and death because it's basically worshiping death, or the grim reaver at this point. Actually, the servants in the temple that are the only ones that are recognized as people in the house of black and white, what they actually do is they decide which one it's their time to actually leave this earth. And they give them poison and they get a painless death. And then they actually become the many faces of the faceless men which actually is how they're added to each of those towers inside the house of black and white. And then they use their faces as masks. So I thought that was pretty interesting.
0: Like, and here's the point I want to make too, guys. Like, There's two things I want to mention to this. Number one, when you were talking about um, when she opens the door and death answered, like, like she's, he said, are you afraid of death? And she kisses his nose and takes the worm from his eye socket and eats it. Yeah. Like, Arya is not all there up here. Like, she's, she's a full-blown warrior. Like She's a badass, man. Like, she's not afraid of anything, which is it's kind of creepy, you know? And then on top of that, in the actual... Then, then What I just mentioned happened in the books, guys, not in the show. So if you try to look for that in the show, you find it. <laughs> you won't find it. Yeah, it, it's, it. it's <laughs> in the book. <laughs> They're not going to show it. But um, in, the, in the TV series... Remember when Jack and Hagar says there's only one god and you already know his name. Because remember she was taught by, by Ciro Pharrell, like, there's exactly. only one God, the god of death. So it's pretty amazing how things got that full symmetry coming in full circle. But there's a lot of things we got to jump through here. You know, when Sansa arrives in Winterfell and meets Ramsay for the first time, what I took away from this little scene outside of meeting Ramsay is when she got to her quarters, the old lady... Like, she, like, welcomes Sansa in, closes the door behind, and says, you still have friends in the North, the North remembers. Like, still. Yeah. So, like, now you start getting kind of pumped up, because like, ooh, yeah, we thought the North was ready to surrender, but the North was ready to go at any moment's notice. Like, she just needs to give the sign. Like, like like, get, like, like that was really, really cool. Something very, very quick to jump onto that before we get into a really big spot here. Because this is, really where, this is where I think Jon Snow took this next step of, you know, becoming... The, uh, an actual leader, like, like following through on his own uh, commands, right. because at this point, Jon Snow is now the Lord Commander at Castle Black. He tells Jano Slint that he's going to go to Shadow Tower, and basically <laughs> and Slint, like spits in his face, and they're like, not yeah. not really, just figuratively. He's like, I'm not going there. Like, like I I was like a, I was a gold cloak of. King's Landing. And I was like, this this not in the third. Like, he's trying to tell him I'm not. He's like, and John like, "Well, you mistake me, uh, uh, Lord Slint You think that uh, I was a request? I—this was a command. I'm commanding you to go." And he's like, "You can't command me, boy." He's like, "So are you refusing a direct command from your Lord Commander?" And he, and he like, "It's like, damn, yeah, I refuse." It's like, "All right." men grab him take him outside and then he grabs Longclaw Dude, that was so wild he he, he literally gets to Jenny, he's like he's like if you mean to scare me boy you've got the wrong person he said stick it up your bastard uh, ass yeah stick it up your bastard <laughs> ass is the exact quote and that's what set him off he set him off so yeah. he's like get him there. like he just you guys already refused like guys Bring him out to brothers and nice Bring him out to you know the the main courtyard. So they get out there, and he's like, "If you mean to scare me, boy, you've got the wrong person." And then they, they put him on his knees, and John Snow just as quiet and deadly as ever just looks at me and says, "Do you have any last words?" And then Jefferson like realizes the gravity of the situation, yeah. thinking he's like, "Oh, he's gonna just try to teach me a lesson." He's like, "He's like, okay, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll go where you want. Like like I, I didn't mean begging to like, for begging for mercy, begging for everything." Jon Snow looks at him down, and he just takes Longdog back, and boom! One quick stroke, and off goes his head. He went out like a bit. He did. He <laughs> for yeah. his life after talking a lot of stuff. And keep in mind, Joff Slint what actually hid bring during me the battle. Okay, bring me my sword. <laughs> yeah. Bring me my sword. Ollie, bring me my sword. And remember. Uh, you know, Janos Slint was a coward as it is because he was hiding during the Battle of Castle Bike right. with the baby yeah. and uh, and Gilly. So, you know, he's begging for his luck. And, like, he just, Jon Snow made that decision. And, like, you saw Stannis breath in the, in the Raptors just to give him the quick nod, like, of approval. So, it was really cool. You start to see Jon Snow becoming really, like, the, the man. The of, king that
1: yeah, to be. Absolutely. Yeah. The leader. Um, and then we kind of start getting back into the sparrows. I do I want, want to say to this. The, high, the regular high septum got caught reg- around. Yeah, man, whoring. Whoring, whoring around.
0: Jeez, that's a high septum. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, that, that you're suppo- Basically what the high septum is, if you want to make an equivalent of, like, the real world, the high is like the Pope. Yeah. Imagine, like, walking into a brothel and seeing the Pope there.
1: Like, yeah, exactly. you know, that, that, yeah. that's a no-go. Well, it's exactly <laughs> like, like um, It's crazy. Insane. I actually did some research on, as far as the Faith of Seven, too, uh, which is what the Sparrows actually um, worship. So a lot of people don't know the Faith of Seven is the current religion in uh, King's Landing, which is like with Jamie and Cersei, well, Cersei believes what she wants. But, you know, it's the main religion in King's Landing. What's really interesting about it, too, I'll just go into that. Well,
0: the quick thing I wanted to mention about the Seven, it's like, it's very similar to like almost like the holy trinity, mm-hmm. right? So you got the holy spirit, the father, and the son. Right. Where in the seven, all like you know the, the father, the mm-hmm. mother, the stranger, the uh, the warrior, um, the crone, like all of these all these parts of it. They're also they're all one entity as well.
1: So it's seven yeah, but you one. Yeah, hit on the head. Yeah, it's actually uh, the father, the mother, the maiden, the crone, and the smith. So the father is the justice and judges. Mother is the peace and fertility for childbirth. Maiden is purity and innocence and love. Crone is wisdom and foresight, and Smith is creation and craftsmanship. But the fate of the seven, so I do want to let people know, is you know how they always, uh, like, for instance, Brienne of Tarth, she always says, based on the old gods and the new. So the faith of seven is based on the new gods it's the new gods, yes. well, so a lot of people don't realize that it is like there were different gods before this, but they were basically uh, andals is the way they're actually described. Um, so, but andals, just so like people actually understand what that is. Um, they're basically just the dominant, like, race of the cultural group, so basically common Westeros. Well,
0: that's what the, what the name of the title of the king is, like, you know, uh, something of, like, the, the protector of the realm, uh, like king of the Andals. Right. You know, like, that's why they call Jorah Jorah the Andal. Mm-hmm. Like, he's, like, a common person right. of Westeros. Just yeah. a commoner. Yeah.
1: Um, but they have, uh, as far as, like, it's very interesting as far as their gods go, because the only one that they... Do recognize that's actually outside of the seven, we actually just talked about, which is uh, the stranger that you mentioned. Um, you just had it right outside of order, but the stranger actually represents death. So that's funny you said that because it says uh, "served by all."
0: That's, like, that's know, off the top of head too. That's not even a yeah. guy That's
1: not even that in there. That's, yeah. that's, that's off awesome. the top of my head. <laughs> yeah, served by all, even including the silent sisters. Which the silent sisters is of course the men, which is. Father, warrior, and the smith. And the women is the maiden, mother, and the crone. So the one above all of this is the god of death, which is who Arya is basically training with. And what is funny is if you think of this, notice this, which you're going to make that face at me at this moment. Father, the warrior, and the smith. Maiden, mother, and the crone. That's six. That's six. Divided by two equals three. (laughs) There's one above that. So that's the symbolism of the three, and it's it's just very funny, like how this all you know relates to it, because they they don't recognize any other old gods except for the stranger, um, and it's backed up by a quote here when Tolman, remember he actually had his initiation when he became king, and he said, "May the warrior grant him courage, patient, him in the earliest times. Smith grant him strength." Strength, that he, may bear, that he may bear the heavy burden. Crone shows he knows the fate of men. Show him the path that he must walk and guide him through the dark places that he walk ahead. In the light of seven, I proclaim, in the house of Baratheon, first of his name, king of the Andals and the first of men, in seven kingdoms. Long may he reign. And that was the high septum that was uh, saying that. And it's just so funny that, you know, they recognize all seven of the new, Except for the stranger, so it's it's almost like they, almost like how Cersei, like she always almost going back to the very end there, which we'll talk about way later in the show down the road. She almost wanted to deny the facts. She always wants to think she's ahead of the curve, even when she's behind.
0: And now that now that we're talking about the High septum here, that's a good gets a good segue back into. This whole this whole area mm-hmm. is that the High Septon was caught whoring by these what we call sparrows, yep. which were all like kind of like little henchmen of the High Sparrow, right? And they they find him, they make him do the walk of shame naked, they beat him, and you know. But the thing is, is like you're you're quote unquote you know the Pope of this uh, this imaginary world of you know Westeros and Essos, right? So like you can't be you can't be in a whorehouse and claim to be like a holy man, so. Uh, at that point in time, like, he tries to get Cersei to punish these sparrows, but instead, right. per- Cersei throws him in the black cells and yeah. goes and meets this high sparrow who is able to get people to do these things for her, to, to do these things for him. Like, he's, got these, like, he's got these sparrows that will uphold the faith, because like, they're what they call fanatics, because they, they follow like, the, the, um, the, the book, I, I forgot, what was their Bible called? uh i can't remember what seven point was. star they, they call the seven that. point star to a yeah. t right so uh th- th- that's when we meet the high sparrow cersei enlists him which comes back to biter in the ass later on and just to kind of like really wrap up episode three here little finger Roose bolton start exchanging words about how they came into their position you know like you know t- kind of like trying to have like a a war between each other of minds and like words but like you know, like quick little silent battle in a way, kind of like Marjorie and Cersei had, which is I thought really interesting. But to really end up on the episode three, Tyrion and Lord Varys stop in Volantis. Tyrion goes to that brothel, and Jorah Mormont of all people is in that <laughs> brothel and captures Tyrion. Right, and that's really how yeah. the closing sequence of episode three happens before we jump into episode four.
1: Right. Um, one thing I did want to let you know, so like actually. Uh, Cersei's first encounter with the High Sparrow in the books is actually a little bit more graphic and different. In the books, he's very pompous and very almost like I'm higher above you kind of thing. Holier than thou. Holier than thou. That's the word I'm looking for. Holier than thou. I like it. (laughs) High Sparrow, holy. Holy. Yeah. (laughs) Anyways. um, So, actually... In the books, he actually refuses to talk to her at first, until his, until, here's what's so funny.
0: Imagine just telling the queen to just go fuck off. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, it's even worse. It's even worse. He makes her stand in front of him while he finishes his prayers and confessions for the day. So, she sits in front of him all day while he finishes his daily prayers in confessions and then he walks up to Cersei and he is completely dormant on the fact of getting her to confess for Eddard Stark's murder which is Ned Stark so it's very based on the fact of the high sparrow feels some type of way to say the least about Ned Stark's murder and getting her to confess so we're in
0: the series you know that's not mentioned in the, the slides, series but... it's
1: more about remember what we were talking about in episode 1 They didn't care that they were having sex, that they were brother and sister. (laughs) In the books, it was all about Ned Stark's murder. That's crazy. Um, And so that's why it was just a little bit different, but he is very pompous. Um, Could you imagine that, telling the Queen... You just stand there. Right I need there. to finish my Lord's like, prayer. You need to just, sit over there. Can you just there. stay here, please? Like I got things to do. Will I put this off for later? Most definitely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. You'll,
0: you'll get time when I've got time.
1: <laughs> exactly. Like,
0: but yeah, now to, to kind of go into episode four a little bit, I don't even think a lot of people realize this. This was kind of like a quick glimpse. Jamie, while they're sailing to Dorne, they pass the island of Tarth. He go, he goes he goes, yeah. where is that? He's like, that's Tarth. And like that, you guys realize that like Jamie knows about Tart because of Brienne, who's from Tart. So she, he gets to see where she's from at a distance on the boat, and I thought that was just really cool, quick thing. He kind of had a look of admiration. So you know that Jamie, and Brienne, like start developing some sort of connection or feelings for each mm-hmm. other. You know, and this is the part next this out of is here. A like badass episode. Like, it is. It really is a, badass, it's a episode. badass episode. I agree. This is
1: one of my favorite episodes of the series.
0: That's crazy. That, awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. awesome. I, 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 this is one of my favorite episodes of the series, but it's probably one of my favorite episodes of the season.
2: Yeah.
0: Um. But you know, Cersei, she gives the High Sparrow militant powers, and that was the biggest downfall of everything. Is the fact that she gave them militant powers that comes back to bite her because of how mm-hmm. like what they do with those powers that they now have, uh, in the, the way they treat like Tommen, the way they, they you know like how they, like basically, because she said that the, the pillars and of the you know the two pillars of society are the 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 faith and the crown, right. Like basically, Osprey is now acting as if he has just as much like he's not Cersei's servant like Cersei wanted. He's Cersei's rival now for, like, the power at yeah. Resteros, and she didn't realize that. Like, she got played. She had no idea what they were going to do. They t- they t- they t- that uh, teared down Lord Baelish's brothel in the city. They were beating the whores. They were whipping and beating the whores. They're they're beating, they're yeah. beating
1: yeah. The sparrows of Sir
0: Loras for buggery and homosexuality. It makes
1: think of, fuck them till they're dead. Oh, that that know, one sick. night he,
0: he drink out of their skull. That was skull. in, uh, Craster's Keep yeah, right back yep. in the
1: day. No, but, uh...
0: Yeah, man. Like they they arrested Sir Loras. Like that was yeah. the whole thing. The whole thing about that was they arrested Loras because Cersei had given a tip. Like, what if I tell you we you've got a great sinner in your very miss? And and the you know the High Sparrow said, well, may the Father judge him justly. And they found Sir Loras. Yeah. It was supposed to be a scare tactic to let the Tyrells know, hey guys, just because my father was gone doesn't mean you can step up and like you know be the the real. Like, family, right. I, we're still the real family here. There's supposed to be a message. Little well, did she know what, like, that was going to lead to going forward, mm-hmm. which is really, really crazy. Exactly. And while that was going on, too, back at, um... And uh, what's it called? Chalice and the Malice, baby. Chalice and the Malice. Uh, it's Malice and the Chalice, baby. Uh, malice and the see, Chalice. when Chase gets a little bit too much, he, he, he gets a little dyslexic. He gets malice a little dyslexic. He, he says things backwards sometimes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, for, forget it, man. offense for the. <laughs> <laughs> of but, uh, chalice and the Malice, Let's baby. Malice late. and the Chalice. Would you guys go. see what I deal with? i got a weekly basis. Malice and the Chalice, baby. On a weekly basis. Malice and the Chalice. Let's get a tip seal in the gym. Gypsy. Uh, Mm. Could you imagine that as far as high spirits go? What if there was a gypsy that always got tipsy? That'd be hilarious, like, yeah, no, it's be like
0: great. almost like Thoros of Mira He was he was a drunk
1: red priest. That's what we need to do. We need to get a big poster of a gypsy and have her like drinking. Absolutely, not. we, <laughs> we can
0: make a card though, like that. Make I mean, a card, card no. like we'll get, we'll the get it. Yeah, they, no offense, they haven't seen it yet. But yeah, I'm we'll, a big Esmeralda
1: fan, by the way. Actually, we'll
0: we'll we'll put some stuff together, but uh, yeah, yeah, you know. While this is happening, back at Castle Black, Melisandre visits Jon Snow and tries to convince him to march with Stannis. And, like, she goes as far as to get, like, fully blown naked, tries to seduce Jon Snow, and he refuses. And, yeah. you know, so this is where you start to realize, like, Jon still loves Egret because he's like, I, you know, she's like, the, the dead don't need our love. It's the living, and Jon Snow's yeah. like, all the same. I still love her. And she, like, puts her glass back on and, and exits his, like, his quarters. And what she says, she turns back around. She turns back around and says, you know nothing, Jon Snow. So, like, the fact that she... Like, there's no reason that she should know that line. No so, like, reason. you start to start to realize that like, she has, like, some ability to, you know, see either the past or, like, like, the future. Or, like, maybe speak with the dead. Like, you don't know, like, what
1: that entails. Because there's no way that she should have known... that that line. No way, and I'm glad you brought this up because she actually mentions a very specific line here that goes into exactly what we've been saying for all along as far as foreshadowing. She says, there's power in you. You resist it, and that's your mistake. What happens later on? Yeah. Who should he have been? Yeah. (laughs) He should have been the rightful king. Um, But yeah, it, it... it's like all along like this whole entire thing has been foreshadowed. Um, it's,
0: yeah. You know, yes. Yeah. Still still like castle back to like, you know, should we start to learn a little bit about Shireen and Stannis' relationship? Too. Yeah, you do, yeah. So Shireen, like, like, goes to him and asks, like, yeah, Father, are you ashamed of me? And Stannis goes in this whole story about how they were trying to take her and, and, and take her off to, like, uh, the Citadel. And then from there, take her over to Valyria to, like, live out her days with the rest of the stone people. And he's like, no, like, you're, 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 your your place was by my side. Like, I made sure, like, you know, like, you got you got to realize that Stannis does love his daughter, which is kind of interesting with what ends up happening in like another episode or two. Like, like, like you know, do you really love her? Who knows? But um, I think that's that was my biggest problem with Stannis and why he would make a terrible king. He was willing to do anything at all costs to get the throne.
1: I mean, my argument was, as far as if he had good intentions and his decisions were right, and he did whatever to get the throne, he would make a great king. But,
0: yeah, I... The thing is, I don't think he'd make a great king, because... Military commanders very rarely ever make great kings. It's like, it's like Robert Baratheon was an amazing military commander, but he was a terrible king. So there, there's no... See, with, with, with why people make great kings and queens or amazing leaders is their ability to adjust their thought process or at least see other areas and kind of like... Realize they're not right all the time. Where people like Stannis, it's like, it's my way or the highway, will never be great leaders because there's no room for wiggle and, like, no room for mercy or anything. It's, like, this way. It's, it's, it's black or white with these people. Yeah. Where, like, with Daenerys and, like, Jon, like, they, they respond to different situations differently for what it calls for. That's that's exactly why, you know, we end up with, you know, the what goes on later on where, you know, Stannis, what happens to him right you now
1: kind of relates to today. Look at this whole coronavirus pandemic. People are pissed things are shut down, but, I mean, if our boy Trump had it his way, not that I'm like, you know, just not that I'm saying politics or anything, but if he had it his way, he'd still be having all his casinos making money, right? Um, And, you know, he had to shut these businesses down because as our president, or if you look at any state official, the governor of New York, right, that shut down, you know, New York and having the testing facilities. The problem is they got to get these places tested because otherwise you're going to keep the spread going. Just like you're saying with Stannis, I mean, the problem is if any modern day leader was like Stannis, it would be basically a Hitler.
0: Exactly, it'd be exactly Hitler. <laughs>
1: you know, yeah. It's my way
0: that way. Everything's like, like you're going to do what I say, how I say it, and that would never make a good king. And, you know. What I thought was cool, too, because even after that, like, it kind of shifts a little bit over back to Winterfell. I wanted wanted to take you guys through this little Easter egg that I don't think many people realize. Sansa was in the crypts at at Winterfell. With Eliana. Yeah, with, with, (laughs) With um, what's her name? Uh, Liana. Liana Stark. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, the the statue of Liana, if you guys remember, the very, very first episode of Game of Thrones, period. Like, season one, episode one, when Robert Baratheon came Mm -hmm. to uh, Winterfell. He told uh, Ned Stark that he wants to go pay his respects in the Crips. He puts a feather in Lyanna's hand, the the statue of Lyanna down there, and puts it in her hand. Like, Sansa's down there at Crips, and she looks down and sees that very same feather that Robert Brathian put in there five years ago. And she picks it up and puts it back on there. I thought that that was such amazing, like... The fact that it lasted that long in the same area, like everything about Winterfell was destroyed except the crypts, like on the outside, the crypts stayed, and like something as small as a feather has stood the test of time. You know, through all of these amazing tragedies, like losing Ned Stark, like the Winterfell burning down, like all these crazy things, it was just something very, very wholesome and, and cool to see um, about you know that little feather thing. And then one other, one other big, big moment here in the same kind of sequence is Baelish tells Sansa about how Rhaegar Targaryen won the tournament at Harrenhal and scorned his own wife, Elia Martell, and put the blue winter roses in Liana's lap. Why that was an issue, guys. Not only was Rhaegar Targaryen married to Elia Martell, yeah. and so not only was that like an act of like almost infidelity in a way... Leonis Stark was already promised to Robert Baratheon. Right. Yeah. And like he did that, he basically yeah. said, Screw you wife, screw you Robert. Hey, take these,
1: right, these yeah. little roses. Exactly. He didn't care, yeah. man.
0: Like he like that that started the huge conflict. Like basically this guy just spit on Robert Brathian's face by like like in front of him just putting the blue roses right. He's like, I just won this whole entire tournament. Everyone's like you know, like fawning over me. I've got roses I can give them to my wife, but you know what? I'm gonna give them to your wife, Robert. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Are you kidding me? No, that's like great. it was wild. That that was the craziest thing.
1: Um, actually, I'm glad you brought that up because people forget that Elia Martell had two children, which is Rainys and Aegon, um, and how like, as far as significant she was, she was actually the older sister of our boy Oberon, who was uh, the ruler of Dorne. Um, Tywin actually, uh, the Hand of the King, uh, proposed to Cersei as a bride of Rhaegar at one point, um, but it was actually rejected, so what happened was, as far as when we were talking about, remember, murdered her, raped her, killed her children, for what we talked about last episode, to give you a quick synopsis of what happened involving her- Two episodes ago, right? Two episodes yeah. ago, yeah, yeah, two episodes ago now, uh, for our listeners- um, so Tywin actually wound up resigning as Hand of the King because he proposed his daughter, uh, to actually, um, marry, uh, Aegon at the time. Uh, the time. Or was it, I think it was, uh, was Rhaegar, busy, yeah, sorry, yeah, Aegon was a baby. All these damn yeah. names. <laughs> oh, terrible. I got you, bro. Uh, Rhaegar. So during Robert's Rebellion, basically what was going on was, you know, everything was about to be overthrown from the Targaryens is what was going on at that point. Um, so Rhaegar was killed in personal combat with actual Robert Baratheon.
0: Yeah, you you so, t- take my wife, yeah, what? Yeah. Boom, oh, here's the hammer to the chest.
1: Yeah. <laughs> like, so you can actually look that up on Google if you see like fan artwork and stuff, which yeah. was really...
0: Well, wasn't there something crazy, too, about, like, how... Because, like, I, well, didn't Rhaegar Targaryen have, like, a ruby-studded vest? Yeah, like, he did. When, he did when, uh, yeah. Robert hit it, like, rubies, when I remember people were, like, trying to find, like, mm-hmm. they were going to the water to find the rubies for Rhaegar, like, Rhaegar's they vest. Like, and uh, then
1: he actually had... I forgot what it was. It was, like, that really ancient, like, sword... Yeah. Uh, ...sister or something. But you can look it up, and it, it's really epic scenes. So that's why, like, I almost really wish they made Blood Moon, because Robert's rebellion... That would have been badass. But Man. to actually look that up, apparently they were trying to make it more of the long night, like the history on that, like mm. way from the beginning. Okay. But Robert's Rebellion would have been badass. I, I want to see that. I, like, I, I, hope they, so awesome. I hope they put that in there so bad. But basically, um, you know, when we go back to who gave you the order? Yeah. Who gave, <laughs> <laughs> gave, you gave you the order? Yeah! Oh, you can't die yet. You Can have to confess. <laughs> Mandalorian. <laughs> can't wait till season two yeah. next year. What a what um, an amazing. Can't wait, man. Amazing way
0: to go there. But
1: it does actually say so. Tywin felt betrayed, so he never admits it. But because you know his daughter that he proposed to marry Rhaegar, it does say then the mountain who rides. So. Tywin has never admitted it, so you make exactly what you want after his death. I still think his ass fucking sinned him. Excuse my language. Yeah. But it describes him as, he burst into the royal chambers, took uh, Illyria, what's her name? Elia. Elia. Elia, Elia Illyria. Yeah, yeah, all. there's Elia, Alaria, like, this, crazy. All the names. So, took Elia's infant sons bashed their heads against in. Against the wall, man. Against the, stone the wall. wall. The stone That's wall. insane. Um, went and found Rainey's, uh, actually was under the bed hiding and killed her and then proceeded to brutally rape Elia Martell. Did she, didn't he split her in half? Uh, you uh, which I'm going to get into that in just a minute. Okay. But just to describe... <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> how, as far as this show goes, uh, Elia Martel, how, like, gorgeous she was. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, an actress she looked like. Salma uh, Hayek. <laughs> Salma Hayek. I mean, I guess... I wouldn't even say that, though. Um, you no, know, you know who she looked like? Have you ever seen... And actually, which is really funny, because she went to my school in college... Who's the girl in Vampire Diaries? Oh, Lena Gilbert. Lena Gilbert. She looks just like Lena Gilbert as far as... Nina
0: Dobrev is her name. Nina Dobrev, yeah. Yeah.
1: She actually went to my college, ironically. Um, But it says, Delicate beauty, slender black eyes, and flat-chested, stunningly gorgeous. Um, So, uh, yeah, uh, Nina Dobrev. Dobrev, I wrote it down. Or I almost said, like, a... like a more gorgeous, not tomboyish Alicia Vikander. <laughs> From like. So, yeah, so, I mean, that's. That's pretty amazing. But then, listen to this, sh- this shit. Excuse my language. I hate cussing on the show, but this is literally what it is. <sighs> he uh, brutally raped her, crushed her head open, and killed her. So. And then I'm going to go into the details in just a second. But the Martells at that point. Basically alienated themselves from the Lannisters because they never forgot it, is what it says. So here's the rumor of Ele- uh, Elia Martell. The rumor is, Elia was split in half with a great sword after her head was completely bashed in. Like, how sick is that? Like, with the greatsword that he has it's, with one hand. That's literally Jeffy Dahmer shit.
0: Jeffrey Dahmer, yeah. That's
1: sick. I mean,
0: like, it's, it's par for the course where we know about the mountain, though. Like, yeah. like, like all the stuff that he's done, like, I mean, I'm not surprised, but
1: just it, awful. It and then, like I said, it, it says, you know, as far as the research, no one knows if it was on the mountain's own accord, or if it was Tywin's order. Yeah. I still think to this day it was Tywin's order.
0: I mean, I think everyone thinks it was Tywin's order. Cause like, remember when like there was a couple episodes when we did this, um, like, he, he, Tywin and uh, Oberyn have, like, a kind of, like, a discussion face-to-face. Like, so you're denying any involvement. And Tywin, like, says, uh, like, categorically, but he has this weird, like, smirk in his
1: face as he says it. So I, I agree. Yeah. I 100% believe that he gave the order, but... Yeah. Uh, just so people know, I'm not going to go all into it, but... As far as Robert's Rebellion, basically what happened was it went to two parties, the Loyalists and the Rebels. It was actually sparked... And instigated by uh, Ned Stark, John Aaron, and Robert Baratheon. So, just so our viewers know exactly what we're talking about here, um, that's which. There's a lot of things that go into that. We'll go into that later on, like maybe the summary episode, like a quick synopsis. But there was like the Battle of Summerheads, Battle of Ashords, Battle of Bells, Battle of Triber- Trident, Battle of Mander. And sack on King's Landing is where it basically ended.
0: Which is crazy too, because you think about it. Remember, I know we were talking about Stannis and Sam Tarly. Like, like uh, Stannis is like, you're the son of Randall Tarly. Like, he's the only person to defeat my brother in a battle. Like, yeah. You know, like Randall Tarley. We'll talk about that in a little bit, but to kind of to reel us back to.
1: <laughs> it even says we won't get into this on <laughs> summary.
0: <laughs> yeah. <right. laughs> yeah. Uh, it is crazy, but uh, to reel us back to where we are right now, Peter Baelish is so smart he actually has a very good plan I I even I wrote down good plan underlined it here you guys can see (laughs) it so he's banking on Stannis to beat the Boltons and for Stannis to take Winterfell and then you know taking the Iron Throne because he's got the bigger army and he's the best military commander and he would name Sansa um, he was thinking that Stannis would name Sansa the Wardeness of the North (laughs) so she's for now gonna do her duty as a quote-unquote Bolton right and, and, and like, so when Peter goes back to King's Landing to meet with Cersei, he's hoping that Stannis comes in, takes out um, Sansa, or no, I'm sorry, no, takes out Winterfell named Sansa Wardeness of the North. So now Sansa's safe. Like he does care for Sansa's safety, I believe. So now Sansa's safe because she's Ned Stark's daughter. You know, Stannis respects Ned Stark a lot. So now, like, he thinks that he would name her Wardeness of the North, and Stannis would go on to take the Iron Throne, because, you know, the rest of the army is in shambles now that Tywin Lannister is not, like, a leader, they're not going to take orders from a woman being Cersei, like, so it's actually a very, very good plan, he just didn't count on, you know, number one, some deserters of Stannis' army, and on top of that, the weather, right? Right. So, like, like, it's actually not a bad plan, he don't think any male intent there, even though it sounds like, like give the rubs into him and in, you know a season or two later we'll, we'll talk about but I thought that was really 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 cool because it was an actually really good plan that he had. It just didn't end up materializing.
1: Right. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> and
0: then, you know, now back to our guys, Jamie and Braun, they get uh they get into Dorn, they start walking <laughs> up their little sand dunes yeah, there yeah. and they get so like, like Bron's even telling him what's gonna happen. He's like, listen, like, you might have gave that guy a big like bag of gold, but who's to say like he's not trying to sell more information for more gold, right? You, know, yeah. you he's only silent, like, you know, if he's sleeping, like you think the meaning he's dead, right? So it ends up happening, there's chances have it, he, they heard it in a tavern that you know they the Jamie Lannister is in there. So these horsemen ride up from Dorne, and <laughs> Braun asks Jamie, he's like how many do you think he could take? He's like maybe one if they're slow. Yeah, <laughs> he said maybe, maybe one. one if they're slow. <laughs> and so, Bron, what a badass he is! Like you know, they, he's like, boys, there's no need for this. Like he he's trying to like placate them into like, letting their guard down a little bit. And it works. He, he like lowers his sword, but he's always got that back knife thing yeah. that he has in his pouch. So he lowers the sword down and grabs that out, flings it, and twists the guy in that, <laughs> that guy is instantly dead. Cuts the other guy down, knocks the other one off the horse. He's like, that one should be slow enough for you. <laughs> As he goes to fight the last remaining one. Like, how
1: badass is Bronn, man? Dude, Bronn's a badass. I love him. Man, That's you hit that nail on the head, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you hit the throwing knife, the sword, and then cut the horse leg. <laughs> you're paying attention. Uh, yeah. That was awesome. Yeah, that's really when you kind of notice, you know, of course you've seen Braun's ability as far as the trial by combat in the very first uh, season and that sort of thing. But you've always kind of thought of him as the guy to really get whatever needs to be done done. You've never really seen his skill as a fighter at this point.
0: I'll say that. i his like trial by combat and just like one-on-one right. situations. Yeah, not really. I guess he was in the battle of Blackwater, shot that fire arrow, saved the hound, and yeah, also nailed yeah. like. So he knew he was skillful. But but the well, the fact that like, yeah, you, like right. it was it was yeah, he's he was really cool, man. I, I I'm a big I'm a big brown guy. I was impressed. I uh, thought it was pretty badass. Yeah, yeah. You know, we meet Ilaria like her children with Oberyn, the Obara Nymeria and yeah. Tyene. You mentioned that there was another uh, older sister there that's not mentioned in the. TV series what was it? What's her name? Elaine? Did you say? Yeah. That? So
1: I actually got this down here. Yeah. Um, so, um, so of course they always believed, just like they said in the show. They said, of course, they were very religious but they, just, they thought the gods always let us let them choose their weapons. So, uh, a lot of people don't know as far as the books go, right? Um, there was actually multiple daughters, so not just... There was actually originally four daughters, Um, and then he had another four, which was with other wives. So, um... I actually wrote it down here. Uh, The way I... A daughter, one, I I labeled them as one, two, three, four, (laughs) not to be, like, disrespectful. But as far as Bella, the way you recognize her is... um, So... You probably wouldn't recognize her uh, very much, but... Okay, so Obara actually uses the spear and throws it through the Obara, guy's head. Yeah. Yep. Obella oh, is the one that's uh, that you kind of see later on in the prison that wants to show herself. That's
0: Tyenne.
1: Oh, Tyenne, okay. Yeah, yeah. Tyenne, okay, gotcha. And then
0: there's Nymeria, which is like the middle one. So, gotcha. so Tyenne's the so,
1: younger one. And then Obella's the other one uh, that's shown... It, no, because the three that are shown are
0: Obara, Nymeria, and Tyene. And Tyene. Okay. Those so. are the three that are shown in the TV series. I don't. I've never heard of this Obella one that you're mentioning.
1: Maybe it's. A, oh I no, I think it might I be Obara. Wrote down Obara. Yeah, I spelled it. Right. All right. Yeah, it's Obara. Like, I, I like, told yeah. you I'm terrible. At names. Yeah, yeah. No. So it's yeah. Obara, Nymeria, okay, and Tyene. Yeah. So the one that's not actually shown is Sorella. Okay. Sorella. Got it. So Sorella is actually in the books. I actually really wish they would have shown her in the show. Because she was almost like an assassin, which is badass. And and that's up to readers to decide. Because she was really known, you find out about her background uh, from Oberon. She really finds out about poisons, um, as far as how he poisons his weapons. And she becomes very skilled into going to school and learning about it. Uh, Well, there's actually a scene in the books. So they find this person, they don't know exactly who it is um but it describes this person as very keen intellect uh very well spoken and a master of poisons and she goes by the name of aurelis and tyria tyrian actually runs into her in the books uh she goes as aurelis and they say she dresses up almost like a sphinx which is very interesting almost like uh like, remember the army of Anubis in yeah. The Mummy? Yes. Um, well, you don't find out much about her, so it makes me wonder if we find out more about her in Wins a Winner. But the theory is that that is actually her, because if you spell, uh, Arella's backwards, it's Sorella, <laughs> if you notice that. <laughs> so it's very interesting. Um, and this is where I was getting confused. So there actually was a daughter, Five, um, uh, who is actually Elia Sand, who is named after her sister and does not exist in the show, only in the books. Uh, so yeah, you were right. As far as, uh, Obara goes, she was the one that's skilled in the spear. Yeah, yeah.
0: She's the one that so launched yeah, the spear through, like, a the bald world. guy's head for, like, giving the information yeah. in the tavern.
1: Yeah. And Obara, actually, in the books, she was completely gorgeous. Um, you know, she had like black hair, uh, was worn in braids. So, I mean, you know, she, but she was actually also proficient with blades, which they didn't really show as far as in the show. Like they really just showed that other daughter with the spear. So I wish they would have really gone into more of the weapons, but it also said she was known as always wearing robes of gold and jewelry. Yeah, uh, which
0: they really don't show a whole lot. What's well, really funny about what you just said about we wish they'd gone into weapons. Uh, something that's coming up right in like my like I got two bullets before we talk about it um, about weapons is like it's not even just for these people. There's a lot of things about weapons that I wish that they were they would kind of go in more depth upon, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about it here in a second. But I just I wanted to touch on that so that way you guys know when I bring this up in maybe through two or three minutes, you'll know where I'm going with this. Um, but yeah, no. So did did you want to finish up on the the sisters, or is that kind of what you had there?
1: Uh, that was kind of what I had. Um, Good stuff. Just to, for our listeners, just so they have a peace of mind, so they're not left with it, where I said the other daughters. Yeah, I'll just give you their names real quick. Um, so you said Tiane, uh, which of course uh, there was actually another Tiane that was with another wife. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it was uh, Tiane Senel. Um, who is, uh, basically it's a daughter with this girl, Septa. Uh, she was actually described as being very treacherous, but also had knowledge of poisons. Uh, Lareza San, um, she's only seven years old, so she's not really described much. She's the youngest one. You don't really know much of her. And, um, of course I described, uh, Sorella, who also a lot of people don't know as far as Sorella in the book. Another thing she's great at is she's also a traitor captain, which is how Tyrion actually becomes um, basically interacts with her because she's with Varys at the time. Uh, but yeah, that is the big theory is in Winds of Winter later on, if George ever comes out with it. <laughs> who knows is that Sorella is actually uh, <laughs> Alaris uh, spelled backwards. So... Now,
0: my biggest thing here is that, of all people mentioned, you didn't say much about Nymeria. hmm So, like, it's like...
1: I mean uh yeah you want to go into that
0: no like, not, not, that, not that there's much to go into i was just wondering like you know like you know you had a pretty good probably description about everybody. Is but uh, <laughs> yeah, so, no i mean it's what it is so you know that kind of let's finish up there with the girls and go into kind of what's going on now Jorah's taken tyrian on that boat ride Tyrion's kind of bugging Jorah a little bit about hey dude we're on the same team like why are you tying me up i'm trying to find the same person you're taking yeah. into <laughs> whole sort of deal but now that we're, i bring up Danny real quick this is the point I was gonna bring up a couple minutes ago. Barris and Selmi is telling Danny these stories about Rhaegar singing in the streets. And the thing is, I think Danny is partially responsible for Barris and Selmi's death. And the reason why I say that is she has to she's holding court for like all these people and like the Hizdar Dothra guy they're right, all trying yeah. to convince her, hey, please reopen the pits. Like so she knows what this court's gonna be. And so it, it's right now it's Dariana Harris in the room Daenerys, and then also there's Baris and Selmy. So uh, basically, Baris is like, "Well, I'm coming with you because he, the, you know, the, the guy, he's he's her queen's guard. He's supposed to be there at all court hearings as well." And Dario's like, "I think that she can handle. Like, I think we can handle his fluff And then Daenerys is like, "I think I can handle his like So Barristan yeah. what I want you to do, go in the streets, sing like my brother, and you know, you know, make the people like a marine kind of happy. You know, just kind of, you know, I want you to go out there and sing a song of of, of joy and happiness. And if she just kept him by her side during court like he was supposed to be, he wouldn't have been in the streets. But then it kind of goes into a whole butterfly effect because if he wasn't there, guess who would have died? Grey Worm. And Grey Worm was more important than Barrison and at this point in time because Grey Worm's the commander of the Unsullied. So it makes sense why they went that way, but I still kind of little pseudo-blame Danny for Barrison yeah, Summit. Yeah, 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 But Barrison Summit, he's an old man at this point. He's not what he once was. As like, you know, Barrison the Bull, the best one, you can probably regard as the best swordsman in, the, you know, the Seven Kingdoms. But what I'm talking about right now is the Sons of the Harpy. They fight the Unsullied in that big alley where Barrison kind of goes in at, at, you know, towards the end. But when I'm talking about weapons, guys, the Unsullied are, are described... By the guy who sold the, the Unsullied uh, to Daenerys, Well, she kind of stole him at that point, right? <laughs> but basically, that guy was telling you, like, all when they talk about and go into deep description of their abilities, how they're good, like, how they must train with the short sword... And the spears and stuff as well. Oh. All we ever really see the solid use is the spears, and spears are a terrible weapon of choice in close quarter combat. They really, but that's are, all yeah. they use yeah. in this entire thing. Like you guys are supposed to be like really, really proficient with the short sword that yeah. you have on your belt. Yeah. Why do you never use them? Well, like, oh, that drives me
1: nuts. Well, you brought up a good point there because it makes you wonder whether the spear really is if you know how to use it. Because look what the viper used. But well, that's, that's, a really one, sword.
0: that's a one-on-one battle, and it's not necessarily in close quarters, because you can use a spear to keep one person at distance. But when you've got five people around you... And like you you've got a long spear, you get in close, that's all you have to do. You got a really good point. Think about that. Yeah. You've, you've ever been in a street fight. If someone's got a baseball bat, what do you want to do? You don't want to stay on the outside and get caught. You go right up into in close, close quarters. Yeah, You, you have to get in close. close quarters. So the same That's a very good point. It's very, very frustrating that like we get told when they about how great these unsullied are in the beginning, like when we first meet and hear of them in the show, but then like all we ever see them use is a
1: spear. That's a good point. I mean, I think it goes into, man, yeah, I, the only argument I have is Obron Martel. <laughs> because he's a beast, man, and he chose a spear but poisoned it. So, I, But then again, I think as part of that, he knew he couldn't take on the mountain who rides up close. Because of how big he, he was. played the distance game, you yeah. saw what happened, that not yeah. never got within close quarters of him until, like, obviously, he was smart. yeah, exactly. Right. He
0: played it smart, and it was one on one. He had no worries, nothing to worry about people stabbing him in the back from behind <laughs> and jumping from all these weird crevices and cracks
1: in the holes in the wall like the sons of the harpy were. Like, that, he, I hate to still, you know, talk about that because it's been two episodes now, but. God, he was a badass. I am going to kill Jason. Chase,
0: Chase never, I ever got over Oberyn Martel's
1: death. Which is why. He would have gone to war with Ellaria's Don't care. Yeah. Definitely would have. Um, but and so, I actually <laughs> described that entire battle down to the T. Go was for so it. so badass. Take it. You sure you're okay with that? I'm okay with it. So everyone remembers, you know, Grey Worm. He's basically looked at as a soulless man. Um, but one thing I loved about the show is... One thing he brings up later on is he was fighting for Sunday, which you don't really get to see in the books. And you really see him, like, keep fighting, clinging on to that piece of life That's just scare her. Yeah. yeah, it really does. And I love the way and Wise did this in the show. So, uh, Grey Worm, basically, what happens is they get ambushed in this whole thing. And he is completely surrounded uh, and takes out six at first. So uh, first thing he does is he actually gets knocked against the wall and smashes the shield um, across a guy's head on the ground. The second thing, he actually ducked down and hit the back of the lance to the next guy's head. And then the third one was he took the lance with the spear and stabbed it through the third Unsullied's throat. Um, or stabbed it on Sully's throat Sons the Har- Son's of the Harvey's Stabbed it through the Son's of the Harvey's throat. Did you, so you mention the part where he
0: got stabbed himself in the side? I'm not there yet. Okay. Yeah, I
1: got it every down to the T, man. Jump the gun <laughs> Don't you worry. Jump the gun on that one, guys. <laughs> so, on the third one, after you stab the guy in the lance, he gets attacked from the back and blocks the guy. So, for all our listeners and all our viewers, visualize this. Uh... Then what he does is one other guy, he gets him against the wall, and as he's moving backwards, slashes him and slices his throat. He does a block push against the wall as he's on all fours and gets and then slices another guy in the back of the neck. So there is another block as he moves to the side, as he's almost like, he's still not even down at this point. This is just the very beginning. Um does a little swivel with his lance, and then smashes the gold face with the blade, which is the gold face of the mask, and, like, literally, like, takes it out the side. This is even before... What's his name? Sir Barston. or yeah, Barristan, saw me. I always want to say Sebastian. Yeah. But I'm like, uh... Well, no, his always name's Barstin, but
0: he's a knight, so it's Barristan. Barristan. Yeah, Sir Yeah, Sir
1: Barstin's even there. So... They're down to two unsullied at this point. So just Grey Worm. He's basically... Grey Worm and one other guy. This is when, if you picture it in the show, remember they're in that almost like that hallway, almost yeah. like you're in Zelda, like about yeah. to go fight Ganondorf. We talked about it all, 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 the, all the piled bodies, like, were pretty, it was pretty wild. Yeah, like, completely outnumbered at this point. Um, so, this is when he gets stabbed at that point. And then they're basically falling to their knees. And then. I wrote Sebastian, because I always think Sebastian Sir Barristan. (laughs) Uh, Remember, he kind of gets something like that unusual feeling in the hallway as he's, like, walking towards and he hears the bells. That's some foreshadowing right there, hearing the bells. But he starts walking towards, of course, Grey Worm. Um, Well, Grey Worm, you know, he's stabbed with the knife out on the side. Uh, And then at this point, he ducks and then stabs another. So he's actually stabbed eight men. He's taken down eight men by himself at this point. Still fighting. Still going on. Um, As they describe him in the books at this point, he's actually described as the angel of death. Which is actually really a very descriptive term. Because once you're talking about death all the time with a faceless man... But can you imagine that? Like, you're literally clinging on to life, and you're like, I don't care about anything. I'm just fighting for this one person.
0: Well, you don't know at that point what he's
1: fighting for. Like right, one person, exactly. But, but you got to realize, like, mm. this is it. Like, there's a reason he keeps standing. Like, I don't think if you take any other man... Like, you take on that many people. There's yeah. only so many people you can take on. Um, so, then Sir Barristan comes out. As Sir Barristan's walking there gray worm hits another one across the jaw breaks their neck that makes nine then he stabs another in the stomach as he's falling to the ground that makes 10 turns to the right as sir barrison's walking in the hallway and stabs another in the knee takes him down uh and then stabs him through the throat so they're dead so right then, you're already at 11 people. This is one on 11. Can you even admit to that? Looks like calls in a freaking call center. That's ridiculous. So Sir Barristan comes in with a long sword. one by one, which this is very interesting because I studied martial arts for a long time, actually, because um, my dad's a black belt and all this stuff. But um, you actually, if you're going to take on a number of people, you get them in a line which it actually worked out for Sir Barrison because he was walking down the hallway. So realistically, if you start thinking in realistic terms as far as fantasy goes, if you're going to take a bunch of people on, you're better off taking them on one by one versus in a group, which is like when they got ambushed and then, you know, Worm can, you know, really can hold his own at that point. So he stabs one on the left, stabs the one on the right, that's two. Blocks and then slices another one's throat. Then he blocks another one, slices another one's throat, and then stabs another one in the back. That's five. Then he basically is hacking his way through. This is Barrison's
0: summon, guys, at this point. Sir Barrison. Why
1: Grey Worm is down to go save him?
0: Well, yeah, because I mean, Grey Worm. I think the one thing you just missed there is that you didn't realize how close Grey Worm was to getting executed. Like mm-hmm. he was on his knees about to get executed. Honestly, well, he's about and to and die. As, yeah, literally, literally about to die. Somebody came in and said, "Hey,
1: hold on a second <laughs> so, oh, yeah. yeah, But yeah. I'm not there quite yet because you thought you thought I was <laughs> jumping the gun and you're gonna miss something. No, I got this. Well, that's, that, like, that happened
0: before. Like the embarrassment yeah. came in like right when he was about to get executed. Like, literally right before. So,
1: yeah. But don't worry, right before he gets executed, so Grey Worm actually gets number 12 and stabs another one when he sees Sir Barristan down the hallway. So this is the point. He's basically about to die, mm-hmm. like about to get executed. Sir Barristan on number 8, so he completely cuts off the head of a Sons of Harvey with a great f- sword like... I want to say defends it, not like blocks it, but deflects it um, by the feet of the Sons of Harpy and then slices them up the middle all the Mm -hmm. way from the groin through the throat all the way out the skull to the head. Did um, you said so the groin? 10. Yeah, the groin, right? The groin? It's the groin, it's like the, groin, groin, the groin, yeah. <laughs> you said the groin. The groin. So, guys, so guys, the groin. Please, please, please hear that. and please honestly, You just said the groin. <laughs> <Whatever>
0: <laughs> oh they, my gosh. The groin. <laughs> Whatever they the call groin. it The groin, yes. The yes.
1: cock. Yeah, the little all the way through. The little little tiny the cock. Uh, the cordobron. Anyways, so that makes 10, right? from the private parts, all the way through the head, and then from that, hacking his way still, pushed down, sliced through the back, all the way through the back of the spine of the person in front of him. Then Grey Worm, right? Uh, So another one is right next to Barristan. Grey Worm stabbed the one right next to Sir Barristan before he dies. So that makes 13. <laughs> We're not done yet. Sir Baresden then cuts the leg of the next sons of harpy that goes down. that's 12. And then Sir Beriston, falling to the ground, looks, lifts up again, stabs another one with a small knife that he takes out from the side in the stomach. Then, as the last one so is about to go down, Grey Worm walks over, keeps fighting, because keep remember who he's fighting for, which he should be dead at this point. Stabs another attacker with the lance as he's falling down, which you talked about. Remember, getting the distance versus getting close. Through the chest and the attacker goes down. So here's the significance on this. Sir Barristan... That's 60-something years old. 60-something years old. Killed a significant number amount of people, which I'm about to tell you what that is. Grey Worm killed 14. Sir Berestin killed one less, which was 13. So, uh, unfortunately, you killed the unlucky number of 13, and you gotta die. <laughs> you gotta die.
0: That's what I'm saying. Like it, it, the thing is, like he was the one that was expendable though, because he was he he was old. He's already made more than the name of himself in all the books of all the great knights he was there during robert's rebellion the, you know he was there for for all of the major areas he's won tournaments against you know rhaegar Targaryen himself like he's he's been there done that like but he can't command the unsullied he doesn't speak the language he's old he's given up as, as much advice as he can to daenerys at this point in time he's the one that had to die it makes sense it's just yeah. it's just crazy because it's almost like Daenerys sent him to his death, but at the same time, if he wasn't there, Grey Worm would have died, and Grey Worm was more necessary.
1: Which I, I like the way they played it off with Grey Worm, like the reason he was fighting for it. Um, now, before, real quick, before we, speaking of swords and slashing at people and carving people until they die, before we jump into the next episode real quick, I do want to say, um, I took some notes real quick on the Faith in the Lichet, which this which is just a quick thing. Remember how they were carving uh, Cersei's cousin's, like, head. Yeah,
0: all, all the sparrows with the circle yeah, with the sun and star. Yeah. yeah.
1: So, actually, so in the books, right, um, that actually was only for the zealous. So it was, like, the very hard and zealous, uh, faith militia Um, and the rest were just painted on. Um, also in the book, so Lancel, that was Cersei's cousin, he also joins... Uh, what is called the Warrior Sons? So they're kind of like gold cloaks, but only for the Faith um, Militant. Militant, faith militant, militant. Yeah. I gotta work on my words. Focus <laughs> on your words. A little bit dilly dilly. Malice in the chalice, baby. Malice in the chalice. Uh, but they're only for the Faith of Seven. And another thing too, just since we are finishing up with the Sons of Harpy and their gold masks. Um. So actually, in the book, uh, they didn't wear the mask. They were actually known as more of like serial killers. When they were killed people, they would actually paint a harpy in the victim's blood on the ground after that person was dead. So uh, just a little things there, but uh, you want to go ahead and take it away?
0: Yeah, man. So uh, you know, that that kind of they you know they kill all the sons of harpy at that point in time, but both the Barrison and Raymond fall down and kind of how the episode ends. We uh, go jump into episode five. We just kind of mentioned earlier, Barrelson and dies. Grave Worm survived. So Danny has all the leaders and masters of the, the the leaders of the master houses rounded up. Feeds a couple to the chained up dragons. This is like kind of like plays with their emotions because at this point she's like, there's no doubt that the harpies are the masters of Marine, but like she doesn't realize like what the full magnitude of the situation yet that it's not. So. You know, that that was kind of messed up in a way that she she kind of handled that poorly. Love so it. she's trying to do everything she can except open the fighting pits. At this point in time, she still has not opened the fighting pits. She's like, I'm going to do this my way. And she starts to learn, that, like, hey, you know what? There's a better way. And so, um, you know, while... After she, his daughter, Dolothrak or whatever, um, he... He's in his. He's like kind of in a cell. He kind of is stoic about not getting burned alive. He's like, "Oh, you know, bottom of like, like whatever, all of must die." He's terrified. So she kind of starts to show you a little bit of her mad side by just feeding yeah. these masters to to her knowledge. Have, like, where's the proof that they're the ones that had anything to do with it? She even said the words, "Maybe, maybe you're all guilty. Maybe none of you are." Like, so you don't even know, but you're willing to just. Feed him to your dragons to make a point? Like, that's pretty That's pretty mad stuff if you get my drift. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: that's... Actually, yeah. right, so I have the quote right here, if you don't mind me reading Yeah, go for thing. it. Remember, it, what's, the reason I wanted to bring this up is just like you're saying, she's egging him on because she's... You know, we say... You know, people deny this all the time, but you're really starting to see her be the mad queen because... You can't argue that he was really given a concrete, fair trial or anything. <laughs> Is this really fair? Because she said, round up the firstborn leader of every house in power, which was him. Yeah. You know, And she said, you know, I, I kept trying to... Actually, what's funny was when I looked this up, I actually tried to use a Valyrian translator, and it just wasn't working for me. So I wrote it down in English. Um, but remember, she said... They will eat you if I tell them to, even if they don't, my children. Some say I should give up, but a good mother doesn't give up on her children. She disciplines them if she must, but she doesn't give up on them. And then he says, he kind of looks back, you know, his dahar, or whatever he says.
0: darn <laughs>
1: Yeah, whatever his name is. And she says, who is innocent? Maybe none of you are. Maybe. And he says, Valar Magulia's Salman must die. And he said, I don't want to overfeed them. Tomorrow, perhaps. So it goes to show, like, she wants him to suffer so bad. She's like, why would I ever want to feed you to them? I want you to suffer exactly what the... Uh, white rat that he's <laughs> called in the show was shown with the execution uh, by the Sons like, of Heartbeat.
0: He had nothing to do with that. You know yeah. what I mean?
1: Like, But yeah, so
0: big, big moment there where you start to see a little bit about how far she's willing to take things to have it her way. Um, now we kind of cut scenes to Jon Snow requesting advice from Maester Aemon, And this is a quote that I wrote down. So for me, like Chase is a big quote guy. I like to, like, I, I just, like, kind of focus on quotes that I think really help either build a character or are really important to, you know, an entire arc. So when he said this quote, Jon Snow, you must kill the boy and let the man be born. Like, kill the boy, let the man be born. is so big because at this point in time, even though he's Lord Commander, even though he's lived through, you know, being a... a the uh, prisoner of the wildlings he's been a bastard his whole entire life like something that would make a man hard enough to like you know close himself up all to the world like he's still seen as like an, a, as a boy and he's like no like this is the time like you must become the man so it, it was it was pretty big and so Jon Snow tries to, like they, that, that's where you realize that what he wants to do is he wants to uh, have the wildlings come through the wall And so that way they don't become part of the Night King's army, the army of the dead. And obviously he knows that's going to be met with a lot of resistance, you know, so he's like, I don't know. I have to, you know, brothers are going to hate me for this. He's like, Maester Raymond said, dude, half the brothers already do hate you. (laughs) It don't don't matter. Like you do what he said, do it. He's telling do it, do it. He didn't even know what it was. He's like, you don't even know what it is. He's like, doesn't matter. Do it. Like if it's like something that you feel is right, do it. Like you're, it's enough time. to Stop asking. You're the commander now. Like so right. you make the decisions right. here. Right. So that was a, I think that was a big moment in the development of Jon Snow. And so what he does now is he tries to convince Tormund to make peace, and they kind of reach an agreement. And but but Tormund, he wants Jon Snow to go with him to convince his people it's safe. Basically saying, listen, like, if I bring anybody else, they're going to think it's a trap and set by the Night's Watch. So you're going to come with me or I'm not going. Right. And so, that you know, he kind of has to make a decision because he just got elected Lord Commander not not very long ago at all. And already he's kind of has to make a decision to leave Castle Black to go make peace with wildlings that the rest of the, the brothers of the Night's Watch absolutely hate because they just almost killed the entirety of Castle Black not even a season ago, right? And so... It's like so many things going on here that, uh, you know, I, John has to convince the brothers of the Night's Watch of his plan to let them, you know, come into, you know, through the gates, even though they had this whole entire battle to keep them out. Right. And half of their, their, you know, the brothers of the Night's Watch died, you know, so he's got to convince them to let them in. And, like, it's met with a lot of resistance, even from someone he considers a very close friend, like Ed Tollett. He's like, listen, they, they, they killed Gren, they killed Pip, I can't forgive that, I can't forget that. Like, so, <laughs> it, it starts to speak to development of what he's got to do, and kind of almost in a way, not foreshadows, I wouldn't say foreshadow is the right word, but like, you see almost why, what happens to him at the end of the season happens, right. because people yeah. don't accept it.
1: Right. I agree completely on that. Yeah. Um, so, okay, and then we're are, we're going to go ahead and jump into Brian and Podrick?
0: Not quite yet. I want to jump into a quick little action of uh, Miranda and Ramsey oh, having, <laughs> having a little fun dirty, side. Dirty, baby. But the reason I want By to the baby. Baby. <laughs> Yeah. The reason I, get I the big into Dirty this on, is, uh, baby. <laughs> You start to see Miranda is, like, hopelessly in love Give with Miranda. And she, like, she, like taunts him. And he's like, jealousy is boring. You're not going to bore me, are you? But, like, dude, he, like, she would do anything for this guy. It's the wildest thing. Like, And, you like, you know, the reason why it's important is because of what happens to Miranda later on. Like, she's like, all you're going to do is get bored of me She's your wife. the you, you know, you think she's pretty. He's like, duh, I've got eyes. Like, you know, are <laughs> like,
1: so funny.
0: They both are so perfect for each other. Miranda and Ramsey are the perfect fit. They're both sadistic as <laughs> Oh, fun. that's so and, like, great. they, they just they give each other a hard time and, like, like, you know bit, she bit him and made his lip, like, bleed and he's, like, uh. like mad but at the same time, like, he's like, dude, like, he's like, you're never gonna bore me, are you? And she does that. He said, never. And she, she, uh, dude.
1: It it was it was a
0: wildly psychotic. It was almost like Harley Quinn and the
1: Joker. Remember? Also, like, I literally wrote down a Joker face. Oh like, my, my gosh. Goodness, dude!
0: Did it, it, the, that that like little seed That was straight up Harley Quinn and Joker style stuff, man. I literally
1: wrote it down. Yeah, I, I see I it. I see it. Yo, bro,
0: <laughs> <would> you know, <see laughs> yeah, bro. We even see it. awesome, guys. Give me that here. We both we don't do this together. When we do our research, we don't like you know. I live like, I live almost an hour away from Chase and we meet up every, <laughs> every week to do this, we do our own research separate from each other, and we bring it to the table at the same time. So I don't know what notes he has. He doesn't know what notes I have. Like, we found out from each other real time, kind of like you guys are. Yeah. And so, like, that's really funny that uh, we kind of had the same thought about that. One take, man. we are yeah. doing the one yeah, take. It's yeah, it's awesome. So, um, yeah, I mean, at that, I mean you know, outside, did you want anything you want to add to that, or do you want to jump into Brian at that point, or...?
1: Basically, what I wanted to add to that was it almost goes to like the point of sex is power, but Miranda never had it. Where <laughs> she. Ramsey basically continued to have sex with her, and he tells her. <laughs> you know, basically, she'll still be a side piece from now on. He's like, yeah, "You belong." I'll to still me. have time for ya. Yeah, he's
0: he's like, like, you? Yeah, you belong. She's like, he's like, maybe I'll marry now. He's like, are you gonna marry the
1: the the stable boy?" Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, like, we gonna marry the stable <laughs> boy. He's like, you belong to me. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He said, uh, "Here's what." As I found it, he said. You're not going to bore me now, are you, Miranda? (laughs) And then it's like... And then she says never and, like, continues to fuck him. Like, it's it's... so messed up. Like, excuse my language, but it's... It's... You almost wonder, and keep in mind... Stockholm Syndrome, guys. (laughs) This is literally Ramsey and Miranda standing butt-ass naked. Like... (laughs) Right up, he smashes her, then continues to smash. Like to assert his power, but it's almost like that's how messed up he is. He wants to continue to seduce her, not only physically, but mentally seduce her, and realize she'll always be broken down. He's a master of mental warfare. Yeah. It's crazy. But
0: yes, now now let's talk about Brandon, how she asks that old man how she can get a message to Sansa Stark. You know, and, and basically, uh, she, the old lady that kind of goes back up to Sansa and says, Hey, listen, light light this candle in the highest window of the broken tower if you're ever in trouble. And you make, remember, you have friends here in the north. Yeah. So now, that candle thing, that was all Brienne's idea. I think people don't realize that, like, they think that old lady just kind of came up with that on her own. But Brienne asked that old man, because, like, what she said to him? Hey, like, you know, were you here when Eddard Stark was... Uh, was the warden? He's like, yes, yeah, so I was here then, and, and when his father was warden. Right. And so, like, she knew at that point in time, he could, she could trust him with the information. Said, listen, I swore my sword to Catelyn start to protect her daughters. You know who's here. And so she's like, I, I need to get a message to her. So it goes from the old man to the old woman. I wonder where the connection is there. Never really mentions it, but that's how like they come up with the whole plan. Like, listen, you're gonna take the. Um, the, the candle to the highest tower of the broken, the highest window of the broken tower if you're ever in trouble and, like, you've got you've still have friends here in the north. Right. And then from there, Miranda takes Sansa to the kennels to see Theon. Dude, they still have Theon in the kennels, even at Winterfell. He was in the kennels in Dreadfort, and he's right, in the kennels. Yeah. He's
1: a dog. He's, he's,
0: literally, he's literally a, a dog. dog.
1: Like, you so, put him in kennels, bro? Where do you put a dog when you're leaving the house? Yeah. Uh, in the kennel, in your kennel, Reek, you dude. smell like shit, dude. That's so
0: <laughs> crazy. And then Ramsey's so messed up because he knows that Dion's seen her. He taunts Sansa with Dion at Reek dinner. You shit your underwear.
1: <laughs> you can <laughs> <freaking laughs> smell. Think, think about that. You though. When, smell Reek when like. they're
0: when they're at dinner. Straight up at dinner, Ramsey, like, and then. Even Roose Bolton, you can see Roose Bolton's face. He's annoyed and mad that Ramsay's putting on the show in front of Sansa. Yes. Dude, you can see it. So, like, basically, he taunts it with uh, Theon, and he tells Sansa, Hey, since you don't have a dad anymore, Rick will give you away. He'll <laughs> give you away, He'll give give away. away. What an
2: amazing Reek. idea. Rick!
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's the wildest thing in the world. And then, so... So the way the way that Roos kind of comes back and like kind of shames Ramsay a little bit is like, hey, Ramsay, let me just let you know, uh, I'll tell you real quick, uh, Walda is pregnant, and the way she's carrying, <laughs> it looks like a boy. Yo, Ooh. like, he, he's like, putting dude, him in his place, like, we're like, 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 playing that Shut
1: up so fast. Yeah, dude, like,
0: basically, he had to do that. He's like, and so now he was getting real, real frustrated. And so, Roos <laughs> tells Ramsay about the way he was born. And asked him to help defeat Stannis. It's basically, you know, either your mother came to the thing and like, I wanted to throw you into the sea. Right, like, yeah. You know, but I took one look at you, you know, and I, I kept you. But he's like, my position is clear, father. Like, I'm only your son until a better alternative comes along. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. it is crazy. Like, their their relationship is real fucked. Um, but <laughs> 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 so basically, he's like, will you help me defeat Stannis? <laughs> and and uh, Ramses tells him... Yes, yes, I will. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, it's so weird. And then, talking about Stannis, he decides to march without waiting for the Wildling army if it was possible
1: to even get them. I gotta say this. Remember right before that, so after the whole dinner thing, he goes up to Theon, a.k.a. Reek, and goes, Oh, Reek, which is after he's been put in his place. You disgraced yourself at dinner. <laughs> what? what are you going to do, Reek? You disgraced yourself. <laughs> he didn't say anything. It was yeah. all Ramsay the entire time. Well Bruce Bolton told
0: Ramsay he disgraced like, he's like you disgraced yourself at dinner. Like yeah, Bruce yeah. Bolton told that to uh, Ramsay. But it was it was a really interesting so kind of, of dina- di- dynamic. Like it was almost like Roos was having a little game of, uh, who's gonna be the
1: alpha dog here, not you. It was like, like, you're nothing without me. Yeah. It was literally So like, he, like, he, like, he got
0: annoyed with, uh he really got annoyed with the way Ramsey was treating Sons and like taunting him with, Reek and, or with Theon and see I can even call him Reek now yeah, <laughs> like, he, with, with Theon, yeah. he's, he's like well listen now you want to you think you're all high in money boy I'll we'll give you like, I'll put you play so quick hey my wife's pregnant looks like it's going to be a boy <laughs> just left yeah. at that just left it at that was so awesome so, so now decide, so yeah. Yeah, back to Stance he decides to march without waiting for Wildlings so he makes a lot of tactical errors for somebody who's you know supposedly a really great, brilliant military commander, because his reasoning was like, well, listen, there's no no knowing if Jon is going to be successful, and which was coming, we need to make sure we, we beat the Storm. Right. Well, you know, he would have just waited, and if possible, if they could have convinced somehow for the Wildling Army to fight, like we talked about this last episode, like, over the chances of the Wildlings ever fighting for Stannis? Mm-hmm. Probably not great. But still, he kind of jumps the gun, and that was kind of the theme of the Stannis's like... Assault on Winterfell is like everything he did. He he kind of brushed it because he felt he had to. So, yeah. um, but now th- now this takes us back to where we're talking about where we find out why uh, Grey Worm was fighting as hard as he did. Because yeah. I wrote down this quote. He he wakes up. He said, you know, he, he basically tells Missandei like, you know, I was afraid. And, and Missandei's like, well, you know what? You know, all men fear death. He's like, no, I don't. I didn't fear death. He said. I feel I never again see Missandei from of not. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, that's exactly what I've already said. Like, so now it's like, hey, wait a second. These, like, these Unstellar are supposed to have no feelings, no emotions, nothing. They're supposed to be the perfect warrior. And now we see an emotional connection from Grey Room to Missandei. And I thought that was a really interesting, you know, moment in time. Because we saw him, like, check her out. So we know there was some sort of interest. But now it's almost like a full-blown confession of love in a way. It really is. Because like his his last thoughts before he was dying is like, listen, I'm scared I'm never going to see you again. Like, dude, if that's not love, I don't know what it is, man. Remember that song he was talking about? If that's not love, <laughs> yeah. then I don't know what love is. I
2: want to know what oh. love is. Well, that's a different
0: one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Want you to show me uh, oh, There's that's no that's way to show great.
0: somebody love and tell them that you thought about them when I was dying. No so. way to
1: show somebody if you have no
0: uh,
1: and then oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, that's fair play at,
1: <laughs> at that point every, after
0: everything happens now Danny decides to take preventative measures and open the fighting pits <laughs> yeah, like, let's great. just go ahead and open the fighting pits now now that's now, so not, everything's yeah. happened and my general's dead the other one's almost dead <laughs> let's go ahead and open the fighting pits sounds, <laughs> sounds oh, no, great and open that shit anyways
1: then, I do want to say real quick yeah. before we move on to that as far as Greenworm, he did say this though he said I failed my queen and myself it really still goes down deep to his core when the Sunday was like no you didn't you fought your hardest it shows like how militant the unsullied were like that yeah. was their life yep. like they didn't want to lose like he was completely ambushed no human unless you're oberon montel could probably live through that. Oberon and Martel could have beat the shit out of it. Oh, no, Because he's the Viper. But, uh, no, no like, if, no. If you
0: killed 12, 13, 14 <laughs> people by yourself. I think you. Say, yeah, say, say
1: the name. Yes. Say the name. Who gave you the order?
0: Well, <laughs> if you can't die yet. I want you to confess. <laughs> yeah, I wish we. You know, I do wish we got a little bit more of Orban, but oh, bro, we got to get Obron out of here because
1: he's been gone. Golf- <laughs> I don't care, bro.
2: <laughs>
1: we still got season two next year of yeah. the Mandalorian. That's true. Our, our yeah. guy Pedro. You
0: know, he's a Narcos too. Oh, no way, I gotta yeah, check yeah, out like Yeah, Pedro
1: Pascal's a Narcos. Too like, bad it's not fantasy. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah, Yeah. Yeah, that's But, awesome, uh, but still, but it's, it's still like,
0: something that, you know, it's just, uh, I mean, if you guys didn't know that, check it out, it's cool, but, uh... Pedro Pascal, Yeah. you've to the show. But, yeah, Jorah, at this point, after Danny decides to open the fighting pits, he's taking Tyrion through Valyria, and, like, Tyrion sees Drogon fly overhead with it. This is the first time, I even remember the kind of music that I was playing when Tyrion was looking in awe. Had Drogon flying over yeah. Valyria, but then you hear the big old splash, and they're like, ooh, what was that? And they realize, going through the Great Mist, yeah. they're getting attacked by the Stone Men. The problem is with the Stone Men, guys, if they touch you anywhere, skin-to-skin contact, you're contracting the grayscale, mm-hmm. which will turn you mad, and they, you know, basically, they were animals. Like, I don't... The way Tyrion said it in the next episode, I'm not going to get there yet, but basically he's like, dude, it'd be a kinder fate for them to just kill them all. Why are they still like, like, you know... It it truly would be. These guys have no, like, mindness of their own. They're all savage, like, beastly things, like, trying to, like, you know, cannibalism. They're all, like, grayscaled out. They have no mind, and they're just... Basically, they are wild animals. That's really what they were, yeah. Wild animals that endanger anyone that goes near them, so they should have just... Really killed them all, and they attack Jorah and Tyrion. You know, Jor- like Tyrion, like almost like sinks to the bottom of thing. Jorah kind of saves them, pulls everyone out, and like, they basically, like basically, he's like, guy were you touched?" And Tyrion's like, "No, I wasn't." And then you know, how about you?
1: Now, this is really funny. You're talking about that because where they were sailing through was Valyria. Yeah, that's
0: where the doom was was yeah. uh, was initiated, in- incepted. Yeah.
1: And um, it's funny because uh, you you hit that nail on the head. They really were just like animals, is really what they were. I mean, as far as so for our viewers, just so you have a quick little synopsis, right? Uh, Valyria is the original raised city of Essos. So they were really known for their dragons. Um, They're known for everything. Guys, the the
0: Valyria, to to put an awesome comparison, they were the Roman Empire before the Roman Empire
1: fell. They had everything before everybody else. They were the golden standard. Which, wouldn't that be so badass if we had like a series on that? That would um, be what? sick. Like, the about oh, like the, the, the Rise scary. of Elyria? Yeah, yeah the Rise of cool. That'd be
0: pretty cool. Um, George, you listening? We got <laughs> yeah, George! George. Mr. Martin, we got some uh, requests from you, sir. George. After you finish Winds of Winter again. and Dream of Spring, please. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. Let's, let's yes. tackle those first, and then we'll get to it. Yeah, but, let's finish the series. But, uh, yeah, you know, so, you know, he asked, asked George if he was touched, too, and George was like, no, I wasn't. All right, great. So he's, like, walking off a little bit then turns back to make sure Tyrion's not looking. And he pulls up his sleeve, and you see he's got the little Mark of Grayscale. So he was touched. And now you know that, like,
1: his days are numbered, basically, at this point. Yeah. Which I want to go into this real quick, because this is really cool. Uh, which I actually was so... I was so interested in this, which I didn't take all these notes. I was reading about this until 5 in the morning, because it got me so intrigued. Because I was watching the episode, and I was like, I really want to know more about these people. The stone well, Men, uh, Valyria and the stone men. So, because actually it goes back to them. Uh, so Valyria, you always kind of had this idea they would have a symbol of the dragon, like House of Targaryen. No, they actually had a symbol of a seahorse. So they were known for dragons, but they had the symbol of the seahorse because they were sworn to Dragonstone, uh, which was around, um, basically known for water. Uh, which they were very, you know, prone to the house of uh, Serenagon, which you never hear about anymore, which is the red crab house, which was basically the Lannisters at the time with all the money. But they had crabs as their symbol. So instead of dragons, they actually used seahorse. Because almost seahorses almost look like dragons, but horses kind of thing. But they were almost identical to what, you know, the Targaryens became they're actually described as in the book with silver hair, purple eyes, completely pale skin. Um, so, I mean, basically Targaryens, it makes you wonder if they're completely descendants from it. Um, but they were even more known for being magical uh, maesters, uh, which they don't go into in the books. But this was when we were talking about earlier, as far as the episode before, with the war on the Gesseri and how they you know—they really uh, worshipped demons. It was basically what happened. or ghouls is how they had the Ghisiri. Well, they had this thing called uh, the Ghisiri War, which um, I actually even wrote down here just so I can prove it. it looked like ghouls or goblins, right? Um, is what they like worshipped with that sign, and you know, they described them actually as they were recording this as it looked like ghouls or goblins, just because you know the Targaryen age really took over. But, um, basically going into our point here, as far as, they had this Gassari War, which went on for five years, um, but, you know, part of this whole entire war really went into the Stoneman here, um, which was, you know, which, as part of this that came out of, it was, uh, five wars that created a new empire, which was... Uh, a civilization that harnessed dragons and volcanoes, which wound up coming out as the Great Catalyst or Great Cataclysm, which Valyria basically wound up getting destroyed, which we'll talk about in our summary episode a little bit, by 14 volcanoes is what the theory is, which is how the dragons were born, um, which is almost like a modern-day Atlantis or Pompeii, which is ironic that we talked about, um, but as far as, uh, where I'm going with this is, uh, you see, I got so many notes on here, it can go on forever, but let me find this thing here. Um, uh, but basically the stoneman, right, what I was telling you about to summarize the whole thing, because I went into all the Azor on high, because I just kept reading for days and days, <laughs> because it got so interesting, right? Um, but basically there was a point inside this entire war where, um, there was this guy that was this very big Geseri warrior, and he was defeated by the Valyrian, and what they did was they actually strung him up and hung him up on a cross, almost like how Danny did with Slaver's Bay. And they let the crows pick at him until his guts were falling out, and they buried his body in the lake, uh, which is the Lake of the Stone Men. Uh, so it's actually said in the old city of Valyria, which in the books is said to be haunted, um, that the Stone Men actually come out as a ghost symbol of this guy to actually haunt the people, which is how they encrypt them with their disease, and it keeps going on and on and on. Huh. Which is very interesting, it is because interesting. you know, it's really funny. But, um, yeah, so that was just kind of my point on that, but, you know, there's so much history here with Valyria, it's just insane. I mean you can go on yeah. all day. There's we'll tackle that more, you know, later in the on, the summary for sure. page. but do yeah. you think you know, whether it was destroyed by a cataclysm with dragons fighting each other or it was volcanoes? I mean, it's just wild. Like, if you saw a series based on Valyria, it would be completely badass.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think it would draw a huge audience because, again, like, that's where the Targaryens come from. That's their mother tongue is Valyria. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, you know, that, that kind of, you know, with Jorah being touched and showing that grayscale is kind of where we're at right now about um, kind of where what we're going to jump into. That's how it kind of closes out Episode 5. Then Episode 6 really opens with Arya cleaning the, uh, the bodies in the House of Black and White. And now this time, instead of Arya playing the game of Faces with the wharf, she plays it with Jack and Nagar. And what's cool about that is now she's starting to see how the game's played a little bit. So she's trying him. He's still good enough to understand when she's lying, Every single time. But at least she knows now what she's trying to say. So she'll, she'll start saying minor differences. So, you know, I was in King's Landing and I stabbed my the first boy through the back. And he smacked her because he knew that it was a lie. I stabbed mm-hmm. him in the stomach. And that's when he started to realize that she hated... She goes, I hated the mountain. And he slapped her. And she, and she looked at him again and finally, he's like, I hated him. And she slaps again and she's like uh, a girl lies to... Uh, Me and lies to herself. Yeah. So they like, really understanding like yeah no you you and the hound like, you guys built a companionship yeah. whether you want to admit it or not. And so yeah, I thought that was that yeah. was really really interesting. And then you know to kind of go back to Tyrion and Jorah a little bit. Tyrion tells Jorah about how he came to be in a brothel in Volantis, about what happened in King's Landing, and also tells Jorah about how his father Jeor Mormont died. Uh, At Castle Black, how the mutiny happened, he was killed by his own men. You can see the effect that that has on Jorah. You can see him get choked up because, like, Jorah was a great Lord Commander. Honestly, you know, even though we haven't ever seen other Lord Commanders, you could probably imagine that he's got to be up there at the top of the top with how Mm -hmm. great all the past Lord Commanders were, right? So I found that was very, very saddening to to realize that his father not only died, but died at the hands of the people he gave his life to, You know, to making them Men of the
1: Night's Watch. Yeah. Which, I'm glad you brought all this up, because even speaking of Arya, which is really wild. um, Because I did find, uh, actually, a portion here, which is really cool. Um, Which, you know, I'm a big, like, quotes guy and a big history guy. That's just kind of who I am. Um, So I gotta step back into Valyria real quick. (laughs) Which... Josh always shakes his head. It's like the whole Chase house loves to head go head. outside of the
0: topic that
1: we're the on. The box, <laughs> um, but there is this big thing called the Gassiri Wars, and it actually relates to what we're talking about. Because it talks about the old Unsullied and the Goddess of Death. So I actually got to. Talk about We're, talking about right <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the faceless men right now. We're talking about the faceless men right now. Basically, I've been flustered, i play with it, he's, um, he's invoking the malice of the chalice card. <laughs> well, basically, you know, so the Gossery that we talked about last episode—they really saw themselves thousands of years ago, which this is almost nine thousand years ago—saw themselves as free men. But one thing that was really cool was as the Targaryens tried to. You know, the Valyrians that eventually basically became Targaryens tried to take them over. The Gesseri, they have this guy called Grasden the Great, uh, who is the legendary founder of the Slaves, which is funny, we're talking about Slaves. But one thing they did invent that brought this whole thing to relative nowadays, was they invented the entire lockstep and unsullied military combat, which is pretty amazing, right? And, um, not only did they create sharpness, uh, but like this whole thing went into 8,000 years ago, a thousand years later into Aegon's conquest, um, which is when the whole fight with the others came about with Azor on high, which we know all about him. Uh, the Lord of Light. We don't know anything before.
0: about him. That's the problem. <laughs> we know nothing.
1: Uh, well, basically, Azor and high, they thought he was, you know, the light bringer. That's basically all that's told about him. And they also talk about the Pearl of who uh, reigned for a thousand years, he was basically... A, basically, this is like almost like history of the gods, because it was so far along. But the faceless men that we're talking about, another one that fought with them, which this brings us all to what we're talking about here... Was they also worship something in the books called the Lion of Night, which you can actually see in the show is like a lion head at some point in very quick Easter egg details, like a lion head statue. Um, but basically, it was around with the Gesseri, uh the Valyrian, and Azor on High, uh, which, you know, the long light. I want to mention something right. real quick
0: here. I just had to look this up. I want to make sure you guys know what we're talking about. It's not Azor on High. It's Azor Ahai. It's Azor Ahai. It's Azor Ahai. A-Z- yeah. Mm-hmm. It's or a
1: Z O R A H I A. It's Azor Ahai. And I actually yeah. wrote it as Azor Ahai. I just can't speak because it's <laughs> A Z O R A H A I. Um, I just because like because I always think I, I think it was like on high. Like, on it's, high. high. <laughs> like, like, it's, it's on high. It's on high. Like, in
0: a way, though, it's kind of similar oh, yeah. because he is technically like the fulfiller of the prophecy that never gets fulfilled. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, like, exactly.
1: But, uh, right.
0: you know, that's, that's one of the problems that we have going on later on. But, uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah finish the, that there and then we'll, we'll oh, jump into where we're at. Perfect.
1: Yeah. So basically the faceless men, right, they worship the God of death and they were what called the Lion Knight. So it ruled for 10,000 years uh, before any of this, which is just the lion head. Yeah. Um, Which, basically, long story short, (laughs) they think it was a lion that impregnated a human. So I have no reason why, but they worship the god of death and the lion of night. Uh, Which, actually, they believe the lion of night gave birth to the god on Earth. Which is basically what, you know, founded Earth. Which, uh, they say, ruled for 10,000 years. Which gave birth to what was called the bloodthirst, uh, betrayal, which would actually be really cool to see in a series. But basically what that is, is that is the eighth ruler called the bloodstone emperor. Um, and basically he was just completely, uh, sick. He would completely sacrifice people. He was known for the dark arts and, um, you know, sacrifice worships. He was known as a necromancer in the old religion uh, so, long story short, and they actually worship what was called uh, the Church of Starry Wisdom, which is the worship of Blackstone, uh, which is the use of dark arts and that sort of thing. So, my whole point was, you know, this is just kind of like the old religion, and it's funny how all this kind of comes into play as far as what you're seeing nowadays, as far as the Unsullied and the military combat. Um, and this went into, you know, as far as, you know, the five years on the Gesser- Gesseri, war, which even relates to nowadays, like they had all these territories that were basically taken over. Even the iron isles was part of the third Gesseri war, which went back and forth with Valyria, uh, which eventually became the Targaryens that we'll talk about in our summary episode. But the blood betrayal with the dark arts, with the blood king, um, basically wound up being... Um, overtaken with what they called was the Red Death Plague which they described as every man was bleeding from their face and their orifice uh, which is funny because if you describe what's going on right now uh, which led into of course the 4th Kasseri War basically long story short what happened was they went back and forth, back and forth, back and forth all the way up into 4700 before Conquest uh, which was the final war with the Valyrians. When they burned everything to the ground. Uh, So the Gasseri, long story short, were actually. They burned all the entire architecture and artifacts to the ground. Uh, But uh, Ranar, which is funny, we keep talking about Oberon Martel, uh, he was actually a Dornishman that went and wound up, you know, pleading. Uh, for Essos which was in an uh, area of basically they fought over this area called uh, Sorthoros which was the green hell uh, which was known for vampire bats and shit right but long story short is
0: he's said long story short
1: five times five, like a long five, story five short five it's gotta be short cause it's actually so, a really long long story and we're so, still
0: waiting to see how this ties into what we're talking about for <laughs> season five but well, but we'll give him the bath of the doubt he's usually good we'll give him the bit bath of the doubt
1: but um <laughs> Let's see if I actually remember this now. But long story short, the now are basically like legends as far as you know the ghouls they worshipped and all that sort of stuff. So the aftermath was uh, the surviving Ghiseri cities were made into colonies. Uh, they were also made into slaves. Their military uh, units and style became basically the Unsullied and the Valyrians basically became the Targaryens, which we'll talk about later in the summary episode. So it's just very interesting as far as where Tyrion and Jorah were sailing through. As far as that whole history there, where you see the statues and that sort of thing. And it's really the statues of all the super old history that you never get to see. Good and stuff. We already talked about the team of Valyria, how they basically, like,
0: completely yeah.
1: were... Destroyed by the cataclysm.
0: Everything, everything in Valyria was yeah. destroyed. To be realistic, like nothing really remains of Valyria of any sort of value because of the, what they call the Doom of Valyria, which is you know the not not to make too many cultural references, but what's going on right now in the world. It, it was a it's a it was a epidemic that really ruined a dynasty. So that's wow. really
1: why I brought it up because it's. Very, you know, see yeah. how I'm able to always bring it full circle, some way. I had to help. Very right interesting there. with this whole Corona thing. It <laughs> the Red Death plague, is the way it wiped them out. So hopefully that doesn't happen. But
0: well, let's wheel us on back to where we are now. <laughs> <laughs> Come Come on left
1: field. Get uh, uh, a little malice yeah, in the challenge Yeah, we're, we're,
0: we're, we're going <laughs> all the way to the the night. Turn into a deer. I don't Goodness dare. gracious. But uh, yeah, no. Arya gets the dying girl. She starts to really show her proficiency at lying. Now she gets the the, the dying girl to be like, tells her all these amazing things about how she drank the water and and amazing miracles happen. She gets the dying girl to drink it and the, the girl dies. And Jacken finally decides that she's ready to see the Hall of Faces. Now the Hall of Faces is where like basically what happens after they clean the bodies and everything. Still want to know what they do with the bodies afterwards? So basically, they peel their faces off and put them on like mounts that you can take and use as your own face. Like we're still trying to like learn about what the heck, like how this works, how you put a face on, and then your entire body becomes right. like that too. So there's some sort of like sorcery involved. There's got to be, but um, which goes into the black magic I'm talking about but uh, yeah it has like, nothing to this, do with right. the faceless men and bravos t- yeah. you're talking about valeria this is really okay, bravos now i got
1: to say this real quick Wait, Here to interrupt yeah, there
0: we go I you you playing my malice and you already right. played it I yeah, am <laughs> playing my <laughs> nah, I'm playing it right I know. now I'm over I'm overruling this one this absolutely this not we went through this entire went through this entire thing here you get we're at two hours we're at two hours with these people already you want to go talk about things that could be talked about in the summary episode absolutely not you played your owl's card I, you already I played that already. Oh, we we're not doing it. Well. We're, we're, we're overruling this okay. nonsense. Absolutely not. So, Jorah tells Tyrion why he believes in Daenerys. <laughs> no, about, yeah, in yeah, no, no. You yeah, just played it 20 minutes ago. Okay, zero, this is my official mouth. No, absolutely not. You had yours already. Well, I'm going <laughs> <it later. laughs> to play it later. You play that it that afterwards. We need to finish this episode and we can close up. You can say at the end of this episode, we got to finish the episode now. But, anyways, George tells Tyrion exactly why he believes in Daenerys, and, and this is really important because Tyrion at this point is a very cynical guy, he wants to drink himself to death, he's like, you know, at once he kind of believed in ideals and things of that nature, but after, you know, being sentenced to death by his father, escaping, having to kill his father and the woman he loved in the same night... And then be shipped off in almost like stir-crazy in a crate box across the sea. Guys, we think about how everything's instant this day and age with transportation, like planes and stuff. You guys realize, in a boat, you can take a month back then to get to where you need to get to. You're on 30 straight days in a box. So, at this point, right. God, Tyrion just straight up is given up on everything. And mm-hmm. Jorah tells him, like, listen, like... It's, it's hard to be a cynic. Have, have you ever heard a dragon sing? And Tyrion's like, no, I haven't. And he's like, well, it's hard to be a cynic after that. Like, I'm telling you exactly why he believes in Daenerys. Like, he's, I saw a young girl walk into a bonfire and come out unharmed and holding three baby dragons. So, I thought that was super, super cool how he almost gets Tyrion to start on that path back to, you know what, I need to get... I need to shake off everything that happened because if this is true, everything that, that this guy is saying, like, we're going to have some work cut out for us. You know what I mean? And then, kind of almost at that exact time, this is where I want you to talk about is you have written down about the slavers.
1: You know yeah, I know. About The it's slavers. What so, I'm playing my mouth and the chalice sla- for, a list it. So, <laughs> so the slavers <laughs> captured Jordan and Tyrion
0: and they tell the funny cock story about how, like, uh, you know, but take kill the dwarf, but cut his uh, cut off his cock, and we can sell it for a, a fortune at the market. He's yeah, like, you're, yeah. Gonna need, you're gonna need me there. He's like, how do you gonna know it's gonna be a dwarf cock? He's like, it's gonna be a dwarf size. He's like, yes, again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's like, all right. Well, we're gonna go ahead and uh, we're gonna keep you alive until until we sell you, and then uh, basically they start talking about Jorah. And how he's a great warrior. Like, no, instead of taking right. us there, yeah. take us to the slave Pits. He's a great warrior. He <laughs> even seated Sir Jamie Lannister himself in a tournament. He's like, that's you're talking about jostling. That's a game for rich folks. I mean, we're taking a will get eaten alive in the blood pits. Right. And then Jorah's like, I killed, a, I killed a Dothraki blood rider in single combat. Yeah. His name was Kotho. <laughs> he was a Calistar to Cal So I want you to talk about the differences between how that happened in the... CD series and where that kind of differed in the books. Yeah,
1: first I'm going to play my mouse in the (laughs) chow. So, this actually makes sense, and it actually is about Tyrion and Dora. My whole point for all that history was there was this guy called Garen the Great, which remember I said gazdar the Great. He was actually the prince of gazdar the Great, which is Garen the Great. But basically, he was just a prince of him. Uh, right. And basically what happened was they hung him in a golden cage, carried him up North and he was mocked throughout all the city after, you know, they pecked out his insides, like I was saying. Uh, but it says the night waters rose and they drowned the members of the city and the ones that survived died. But it's said that his ghost is to actually come out of the waters. Um, which is what brings the doom of Valyria with the disease of the grayscale. On all its members. So basically, that's what they say as far as history goes Uh, dooms of the, you know, grayscale disease and how it rises. But basically, my whole point in that history was just to get to the prince. Which was Garin the Great, not Gastar the Great, but I had to tell you the whole backstory to get there.
0: Um, <laughs> but, but, so t- talk about the slavers and like how that kind of t- was different from the series in the books.
1: Yeah, as far well, first of all, of course, like uh, uh, as far well, you mean the slavers in the books?
0: Like how like the difference between like instead of them just going willingly, like after like, he got hit like once, like they just like gave themselves up right, to the slavers yeah. versus like in the yeah. books exactly how that was different yeah. and how it was actually more of a fight. Like, it wasn't, like, they did not go so gentle yeah. until the until the night, as they say. <laughs> <Right>. Yeah. <laughs> they did not the go truth. gentle into the night, right? Yeah, in so. the
1: books, you actually see Jorah is really a, a badass at that point. They didn't actually, you know, just want to give themselves, especially even get back to Dany. Jor- Jorah actually kills uh, six of them, as from what I remember. Yeah, six of them. And he goes down fighting, actually is put to the point of they're about to sentence him to death. And then Tyrion talks him almost into it. Um, and actually, Jorah, to prove he is a slave at that point, they actually mark him, uh, brand him on his face with the sign of a demon. Um, and that was basically to show uh, the slaver owner that you know, he is a slave at that point and he will fight for us. So it wasn't actually in the as it is in the show. Yeah. As he was trying to fight for Danny and to get back to Danny, he actually killed most of them and was a badass. Just like to your point earlier, he's old, <laughs> and uh, you know, I mean, he had a demon face. And like I say, is you know, no one in the friend zone is ever gonna get with a girl that has a demon face, right? Yeah. And that's what I'm say. saying. And then I would say, malice in the chalice, chally in the belly <laughs> yeah. um, But yeah, but long story short is. Jorah really does kind of prove his badass moment and you really start growing emotion for I him. I think there's a lot of times he's down. proved
0: his, his worth to her over the times. Like, he said he's
1: old as shit. He is. <laughs> I've been serious. Yet. Yeah, he's
0: a bit long in the tooth. But think about it. He did kill a single... Like, he did kill a, a Blood Rider in single combat, which you know was pretty, pretty badass. But... Uh, so they talked to slavers and they take them to fighting in the, the Pits of Marine as opposed to where they were really originally gonna take them. Like, you know, they say he was gonna work the mines and like the dwarf was going they are gonna take him elsewhere. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really, really important. But now going back to King's Landing a little bit, and know we've been stuck on Jor and Tyrion for a while, Baelish <laughs> arrives in King's Landing and you have to realize, like again, we always talk I've been talking especially this this particular segment of season five right. about how intelligent Peter Baelish is uh Cersei's like, Can we count on the veil to back Tommen And Baelish literally says, in quote quotations, I may I made sure I wrote this down. He's like, I have always counseled loyalty to the throne. Right. Now he didn't say who holds the throne, yeah. he so who is going to show loyalty to, he said, I've always counseled loyalty to the throne. So, I found that, like, really interesting, the little play on words there. But he also tells Cersei about Sansa Mary and Roose Bolton, and, like, Roose Bolton's son, Ramsay, making Roose Bolton seem like the bad guy, even though Peter Baelish is the one that facilitated that marriage. Right, yeah. So, he's so, and it was so awesome at everything, is that he's, he conspires to take Winterfell for the Lannisters in exchange for being named Warden of North. That's what he wanted from Cersei. So, Literally, it's a win win for him. If Stannis wins and takes Winterfell, Sansa's Warden of the North, Sansa is already going to have a soft spot for Peter because Balish kind of put her in the right spot and, and they escaped her from death twice. Right. Now, if Stannis loses, the, all Boltans are going to be weak, and Peter Balish is going to use the veil and take over Winterfell, he's going to be named Warden of the North regardless. Like, it's a win-win for Peter Baelish. It's a lose-lose for everybody else. What a badass with just his mind. He sucks at any sort of fighting. Not very physically imposing. He's not, you know, you, you don't think a single thing of him. But he has the sharpest mind <laughs> that, like, it's scary, bro. It really is it scary. Really is, yeah. And then I want to mention this, too, because, like, we all like Braun. He starts singing the Dor- Dornishman's wife. I want you guys to look up on YouTube the Dornishman's wife that Braun sings. It's such a like, catchy tune. He's got a he's got a nice voice. Yeah, Jeremy really does. does. Yeah. but uh, you know they're they. <laughs> Jamie's like trying to tell him like, dude, shut up. He's like, oh, I'm getting to the best part, guys. <laughs> it. <gotta say, laughs> yeah, you know? almost like Chase's like, no, nope, I got it. it. Nelson, nope, I got to do it. No, I got yeah, I'm do it. So yeah, I haven't even played the yeah, card yet. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah not for this one. I haven't done the debate for this one, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. but for Jeez, we're running on two hours and fifteen minutes already.
1: <laughs> hey know, man, but, getting know, on Clash of Kings up in here. Jeez, yeah.
0: yeah, we're gonna. We 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 almost almost actually you know, finished up with episode six, and that's probably where we're wrapped for for us here. But you know, just to kind of quick bullet points there after you know he's singing the. the his wife. That's when Jamie and Braun they try to rescue Marcella, and they fight the, the sand snakes. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a cool little moment. And until like Prince Duran's like men come in, and this dude, this is one of the badass moments I ever thought. That that big large guy who was Duran's like um, bodyguard, who's yeah. got that crazy like axe looking thing. Mm-hmm. Like he tells her, "Drop your weapons," and mm-hmm. like everyone drops it, but Jamie Lannister holds to his sword. He puts like the axe up to Jamie Lannister's neck. He's like. When you were whole, it would have been a good fight.
2: Yeah, <laughs> that, that was, was right, awesome.
0: Because yeah. like, yeah, like, I kind of made think, like, man, like I wonder, like, like who's this guy? Is that he like, ever, like, you know? I wish he would have played a bigger awesome. like role, especially like how right, how, how really, how well he portrayed himself right there. Like realizing, like, like, like dude, no, like, it was it was crazy, but that was really big. On you know, they they all get captured. They go into the dungeons there. Um, I, not much happens yet. You don't see, like, so at the end of this episode, you don't see what actually happens in the dungeons. It's the next one. And from there, it kind of goes into where Lady Olenna, she arrives in King Land- King's Landing and has some serious words with Cersei about getting Loras arrested, because yes. she, all, she yeah. all knows, like, hey, I yeah, know you're behind it, you're trying to prove a point, you need us, you need our, our food, you need our weapons, you need our men, yeah. get my grandson out of prison, you idiot. Yeah. Like, basically, that was, like, that was, that was the whole yeah. thing about it, and Cersei's the whole time was like, I, I had nothing to do with this arrest, No, oh, I can't believe they would imprison someone in <laughs> such a great house. Like thinking it's going to be so easy to get him out, not realizing, bro, you gave this guy militant powers. Like you don't understand what's about to happen to everybody yeah, right. here. You yeah. screwed up, you idiot girl. Yeah, get, that's basically, exactly what like basically, what exactly what was going to happen? So, Loris, he's on trial for for buggery, which is uh, which was uh, a punishable by death, um, like crime back in those days. Buggery, for you guys don't know, it's homosexuality. Um, he's on trial for this. And, you know, basically they, they bring Marjorie to the stand and they like, Hey, do you have any knowledge of this? And she says, no. Remember like last episode, I told you guys, it's going to come back to bite her that she saw them. And she said, no, because they end up having a witness. I won't go into it too much because it's, uh, it, it hasn't showed it yet, but, um, yeah. Now, um, from there. Miranda back to Winterfell, right? Oh, Miranda goes to bathe Sansa.
1: Miranda and
0: she like starts making veiled threats about like past girls with Rams. Like, oh, you don't ever want to bore them because if you end up like this girl, this girl did this. I remember Tansy. Oh, I was part of Tansy's hunt. You ever seen (laughs) it? Yeah. What happens when the dogs are done with it? Like, like listen. How long have you been in love with me? You're trying to scare me. I am the lady in Winterfell and you do not frighten me. Like She yeah. like stood up to her. He's like, I, I he's like, I get to like, well, you don't, you're bad. He's like, I'll take it from here. Basically, yeah. that was an like, awesome little try to like, that she tried awesome. to scare Sansa and Sansa's been through so much. She's like, girl, I've had to deal with Joffrey. <laughs> I've had to deal with Ramsey. I've had to deal with like, exactly. Eliza. I've had to deal with everything in my life. You're a kennel master's
1: daughter. Leave me alone. You mean nothing. Right. (laughs) That's exactly what
0: that means. That was
1: awesome. Agree on all points. That was awesome.
0: He's like, I I am Sansa Stark Winterfell. This is my home, and you can't frighten me. (laughs) That was the exact wording. So freaking cool. Oh,
1: you know what we're coming up on? part? remove your clothes. Oh, jeez. <laughs> remove your clothes. Yeah, in a
0: little bit. Yeah, Theon comes up to take Sansa by the arm to marry to marry Ramsay, and, Sansa, and Sansa's like, "No, I'm not taking your arm." And she's like, "He will, he will punish me." She's like, "I don't care what he does to You're you. Right, yeah. I'm not taking your arm." But they end up going down there, and like, it's so sad to her. Like, like it's underneath the godswood, which is her father's like worship tree, mm-hmm. uh, the weirwood there. And you know, who comes to claim? Who comes to claim her? Who comes to take her? Who comes to give her away? Is all of the things that are going on and because like, they do underneath like the old God's rule it's not like you know the like in the light of the sun right. where like they go they wrap up the the cloth around the arms and like go through the like, one something one whatever that that chant is they do for like for example Rob Stark and Talisa you know and, and for yeah you, know, you may not bring it underneath your protection it's yeah. different with the underneath the old mm-hmm. God's rule so um that she ends up officially, it was a long pause. Like, do you take this yeah. man? And she's she didn't answer for the longest time, and then uh, she decided that she's going to take this man, not understanding what that really meant. And now I'll let you go into that part of what you were just talking oh, about. Oh man, so i That's one That's going to close. That's going clo- to close us out for this one. Chase it's, always uh,
1: gets to talk about the sick. Oh, <laughs> the
0: you, sick you, you you're a big Ramsey guy. That's I'm the a big Ramsey. You're a big Ramsey.
1: Ramsey Cheers, get a little malice in the chalice off to the bitter misery with you so it actually brings up a good point and I want to host this off uh, this section by saying like why do you think Sansa's doing this by she knows like she's trying to get power through the Boltons yes
0: 100% because remember what Baylish was telling her like, listen uh, use him make him become yours but, like, she doesn't have the ability that Marjorie has. Like, she doesn't know how to, like, sexually seduce anyone. Plus, she's never, like, had to contend with anyone of Ramsay's nature. Ramsey, like, 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 he seemed like... Remember how he told Baylor, like, I would never hurt her. He's, like, a, he's such a psychopath that he can seem as normal on the outside. But when you get behind closed doors and no one's watching, he's a sadistic socio-psychopath. Yeah. Like... Um, I mean, is So I think she wanted to, and didn't realize what the hell she was getting into. I,
1: I completely agree. <laughs> and it actually goes, you know, I'm a big quote guy. It goes by this quote, remember, she was telling Miranda, do you think I care what he does to you? <laughs> uh, like, at this point, she just doesn't care, and she is trying to get that power. And she, I think in the back of her mind, Sansa really knows what's about to happen here. Um, well, basically, as you know, you know, so Ramsay and Sansa are betrothed and wind up getting married. Well, of course, you know, Ramsey, you know, wants to have his prize, just like how he's telling Miranda, you know, I'll still always have time for you. Uh, and, you know, he tells Sansa, you know, he tries to show her power. And this is where it really comes into play, of just like you were saying. Sansa, at this point, I think, is really trying to fight for what's hers. And I think, in my opinion... She's really trying to fight for the veil. Um, almost I think like it's Winterfell, It's because it's oh, own yeah, it's yeah, own, it's yeah. our own
0: home. I can see She's like that she's like yeah. NFL. She's like no. Like I'm gonna figure out a way to make this place mine again. Like I, this, I'm in my home. Like you guys are the one. Like it's the people that are strange. Remember in the thing? she's like, like I hope you're like because it's strange being back. She's like no. This is my home. It's the people that are strange. Right. So I think it's not for the veil. I think she's like no. I'm Lady Stark of Winterfell. Yeah, but she just had no idea what she was up against.
1: <laughs> that's, that's exactly what it was, and. When you meet that in, you know, that it's intellectual against sick and demented. That's basically what it is. And it's And Sansa's never played this game before. you never played the game. Not
0: only did she never play this game, like, it's not like she had anything easy to start out on. Dude, she had, like, like dude, think about Joffrey and making five times worse than it might be That's almost exactly as equal is. as
1: Ramsay. And she <laughs> says it later on, which we'll talk yeah. in later episodes. Yeah. She says he'll always be one step ahead of you. Yes. She's never yeah. met match for match before. Yeah. We were playing pawn with pawn, queen Dude, with queen, yeah. king with king.
0: He She was playing checkers while he
1: was playing chess. That's exactly what it was. So, yeah. she goes yeah. in there. Wrap that up there, and then, yeah, let's, let's give him them- Yeah, to wrap this up, basically what happens is, you know, they get married, they go in the bedroom, and, and I... Uh, <laughs> Calling him Reek now, (laughs) but Theon is standing there, and he goes to leave. He tries to leave. Yeah, yeah, he tries to leave, and you got to think where Theon is in this moment in life. This is a girl he completely grew up with, saw her from, you know, literally growing up from the age of one. Wasn't that Ramsey's baby? Yeah, yeah, that was exactly. Because you have it written down or no? Oh, I have it all written down. You know, Ramsey's my boy. Yeah, and uh, he goes to leave. And he sits here and says, reek I want you to watch. <laughs> and Sansa is completely taken aback by this because, remember, she says, you know, Tyrion, he never touched me. Like, I... It's almost he like... Was very kind. Yeah, yeah he wasn't, she wasn't even expecting... Like, she was expecting the whole wedding celebration and she would have to stay with him for the rest of her life. But she wasn't expecting what was coming next, the wedding night, right? Well, he goes, remove your clothes. Do I need to ask you a second time? I hate asking a second time. <laughs> he says, I He's, hate
0: asking a second time. What a
1: sick F-E-C-F-E-R. Yeah. Excuse my language. And, um, basically... You know, he's really expressing his intellectual power over Sansa at this point. And he looks back at Reek and says again, using his brainwashed power, Reek, I told you to watch and then tell Sansa again, remove your clothes. And in the books, so I'll go into this first. Before you
0: do, because there's one quote in there. Did you have it written down? Cause I don't want to, I don't want to ruin it. If you do, yeah. there's a quote that he says and he go, he turns to, to Theon. He goes, you've seen her from a girl. Now watch her become a woman. He did say yeah. that. So yeah, I, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I want to make did. sure that that was it. Well, that was, that was,
1: That's you, man. Yeah. You go ahead and share it. Yeah. yeah that was, yeah. He sick. says, uh, you know, reek because he doesn't ex- say him as theon because he smells according to he's, he's a dog he's a, no he's a, he's a full a, his, dog. basically his dog yeah on a leash and says you've seen her become a girl now watch her become a man a woman a woman <laughs> yeah. but I got, yeah i really got yes. it, but, and before but, i describe what happens i do want to describe what happens in the books because yeah. in the books it's a lot worse Uh, in the books it's absolutely sick so first thing he does is completely shreds off her clothes, strips off her clothes bends her down backwards and he says have you been taught how to please men she doesn't respond Um, and actually in the books who this was, we talked about man's raider in the beginning not dying, well it was part of he was part of the plan and it was actually this girl, Jane, that was Arya's friend, disguised as Arya in the books, not Sansa that was betrothed to him that he marries. But in the books, it's completely sickening. Um, she is actually the age of Arya, about 13 at the time, and he tells Reek to go ahead and perform oral sex on her. So he tells Theon, go ahead and get her ready, perform this oral sex. So then she is ready for me. So he goes and proceeds and does that. This is why the show is explicit. And then just like the show, which this happens in the show, he bends her over backwards, says, Remove your clothes, Reek I told you to watch, and violently rapes her. Which is why all you hear in this episode. I still remember feeling so completely distraught and sickening and disgusted. Uh, the screen goes black and all you hear from Sansa is just the reeking and the screams in the yeah. background. And it shows Ramsey's sick Joker ability to express not only his physical power, but how even anyone that's somewhat a very smart, he's just a psychotic genius that will always overpower you.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that's... That's a sadistic but interesting way to leave the uh, the audience for for this um, part because we're gonna come back in another week for our, our finale of season five here uh, pretty soon. So um, yeah, you know, let's let's you know. Obviously, we always want to thank you guys every time you join us. Um, one thing we haven't been doing that I wanted you know remind everybody here is that you know we've been getting more and more followers, but. The most the best thing you know you guys can do if you enjoy listening to us, please click like and subscribe. Follow us on our social media pages. Uh we've got a Facebook page, we got Instagram, Snapchat, uh we, we've got a YouTube page as well. We're starting to get we started to gain some traction. I know I mentioned a couple episodes ago that we were trying to get a lot of um uh volume to our YouTube page. That's been starting to pick up, so big props to you guys as well. So please guys if this is stuff that you really like to hear and you know we we hope it is, uh Subscribe to us, follow us. Uh, You know, we always appreciate new followers. And, um, yeah, you know, so did you want to add anything to that as well? Yeah,
1: man. I mean, even, you know, uh, we got ridiculouspatronus.blogspot.com is our blog that goes up weekly, updating everybody. Um, As far as our Instagram, you'll always see every week with our promotion of the episode that's going to go out at the end of the week. So you'll always see that. But, um, yeah, we love new followers, so you can follow, you know, us here, Chase and Josh. We'll always tagging in it. Um, Interactions love-
0: are awesome, too. Interactions. Yeah. If you guys have any questions, you guys want to debate stuff, or you have things to add, you know, on, on YouTube? Either, you know, put stuff in there, send us DMs on Instagram. yeah, private messages on on Facebook. You can hit us up through email, ridiculouspatronus2020 at gmail.com. Whatever you guys need to do, we're out there on, on basically every format at this point. Um, really which is, is amazing. yeah.
1: I mean, we've gotten a lot of good feedback. A lot of people love our content because content, y'all love Game of Thrones, just like us. But um, in the words of uh, Ramsey Snow, Ramsey Bolton, we want you to watch.
2: Yeah,
0: we
1: want you to watch.
0: I like that. So let's go ahead and uh, give him a, a proper sign-off. And, yeah, 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 man, this has been... Uh, season five of Game of Thrones, getting to the middle good, middle to ending of Feast for Crows before next week we get into the ending of Feast for Crows and the start of Dance with Dragons, uh, production by the Ridiculous Crew.
1: Chase and Josh. Factor Fantasy! Signing Sign off! off.